Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. It's the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined this week by Dave Somerville and Tim Darbin. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Glad to be here. Excellent. Good evening. How are you? Hi, Tim. So, uh, of course, it's Thanksgiving. My word, it's Thanksgiving. So, obviously, this will have a bit of a special place in your heart, Tim. It um, does, yeah. Uh, of course it will. So, um, being from across the pond, Tim, why don't you start off but, you know, coming up to Thanksgiving, give us your perspective on Thanksgiving because uh, it might be something that myself and Dave uh, just don't know that much about. Well, Thanksgiving is, uh, well, depending on sort of which side of the political spectrum you're on, uh, it's a celebration of, of, of thanks for all the things we have and, and held in the autumn in the time of harvest, etc., etc. And uh, apparently it's when the pilgrims celebrated in America when they survived a, a, tough, a tough first year and they, they harvested the crops and had plenty of food and they were thankful for that, etc., etc. And they and they'd taken lots of land from people who owned it before, and it was all green. So they <laughs> they wanted to express it. So they wanted to express the thanks for all the. <laughs> um, but it, it's it's all about turkey. We all know that it's about turkey. That's it. Um, well, we will be having a, a special Thanksgiving dinner. We we always have one uh, in our house, even though it has no bearing on us whatsoever. We we have a, a Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner, so just an excuse, as you quite rightly say, to eat turkey and lots of food, and it's it's great for us Absolutely. over here. Um, Dave, will you be doing anything for Thanksgiving other than obviously watching the NFL games? I mean that that's pretty much why I earmark Thanksgiving for is the NFL games. But uh, I, do you know what? I think I'll go full on this year, and I will I'll be having chicken. Uh, along with my fried rice and I will be going to I will definitely be having takeout uh, I think you know just 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 have a, a little treat for myself just um, bury my head into Chinese foods as I watch the Rams get annihilated over the Thanksgiving weekend so yeah something cheer me up well, there you go my goodness yeah. um, okay so that, uh, that of course Thanksgiving is this week however yeah. we're going to start off with the recap of last week week 11 in the NFL all the games are in the bag and we're going to start off with the Thursday night game which was the Tennessee Titans at the Green Bay Packers and wouldn't you know it, uh, 77,506 fans packed into Lambeau Field to watch their team do absolutely nothing in the fourth quarter. The Tennessee Titans just ran away with this one, 27-17. And I honestly, I watched this game and then uh, the more I watched it, in especially in this fourth quarter, this Green Bay offense just can get nothing done when it matters. They seem to get let down time and time again. And we spoke about this before, Dave, uh, about whether or not this might be Aaron Rodgers' last year or if he should retire. Some people saying he shouldn't, some people saying he should. Um, but we'll put it to you, Tim, first. Green Bay, Tennessee, what did you make of this one? Well, I think, uh, in all honesty, I think that Derrick Henry could maybe go, on to go up to Lambeau and take over as quarterback. After throwing a, t- a TD, uh, he did throw Derek a touchdown. Derek Henry—he's <laughs> he's in my fantasy team, so I'm delighted. He was—he was throwing. He was like the Christian McCaffrey for for Tennessee this week. So it was great. Um, oh. I, you know, I can't see Derek Henry. He's such a—he's such a workhorse. You know, he's—he's um, he's just unstoppable. So, and Tennessee literally did run away with this one. They just—they just destroyed him in every possible way. But everybody knows Green Bay are not the team they were a few years ago. Um, in spite of getting rid of Mike McCarthy, which is no doubt a positive move. Uh, they, they've continued to sort of uh, not quite deliver. So I think Aaron, Aaron Rodgers knows by this point of the season it's time for him to move on, I'd say. Dave, what did you think of this one? 
I mean, the Derrick Henry touchdown was quite incredible, wasn't it? He, he, he looked like he was just going for his classic kind of power move to the right tackle. He ducked down, and, and then all of a sudden his head popped up along with the rest of him, basically, and he threw it into the end zone. So it was, um, yeah, it, it was an interesting play. Uh, I, I'm not appreciative of the Christian McCaffrey reference there. I, I thought I'd put that behind me. Uh, but, of course, you know, bring back the podcast. And, oh, yeah, Christian McCaffrey... Uh, comes back to haunt the Rams yet again. But um, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, in, in the match, one of the standout players for me was actually Traylon Burks uh, for the Titans. Um, now, he, he was, he, every time he was thrown to, it seemed like he caught it. I mean, Tannehill won the games of his life in it. But um, I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is done, but I, I think he's below par. He's really below par this year. But what do we say week in, week out? The they the, if you don't get the running game going, you're not going to win the game. The Packers, between uh, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, 53 yards from 18 carries. Now, that that's not really good enough. And the matter of fact is, in that fourth quarter, they actually got 21 rushing yards. So that quarter, uh, except, for, except from the second quarter, that was the quarter with the most rushing yards. But they just couldn't get the job done. They couldn't drive the ball down the field, which the Packers need to do. Uh, and they need to, to free up Aaron Rodgers to make these kind of throws that he's kind of known for. He needs that running game to be functioning, and the te- the Titans stopped that. Um, the Titans just did enough. They just ran the ball down the field. It was it was a competent display from the Tennessee Titans. And yeah, Derrick Henry just doing Derrick Henry things. I think he, he ran for about eighty nine yards. Something he was just short of the hundred yard mark, if I remember rightly. Yeah, and um, well, Tannehill three hundred thirty three yards. Uh, 22 or 27, two touchdowns. He did have that one pick, but apart from that, he was pretty much flawless aside from the pick. Um, and I think I think the Packers actually had the opportunity for one or two more picks, but um, Tennessee get it done. And the Packers, who thought we were going to say they were four and seven at the at, at this stage of the season? Because I certainly didn't. And t- Tennessee go on seven and three. Uh, no, I don't think anyone saw the Packers. I certainly had them winning this division pre-season. I didn't see this happening. Even with the loss of Devontae Adams, I thought the Packers uh-huh. wouldn't have any problems whatsoever. How wrong was I? So we then move on to the next game, and it was the Cleveland Browns and the Buffalo Bills. And 52,146 fans at Ford Field watched the Buffalo Bills take care of business. The Browns actually led through most of the first half on this one. Mari um, Cooper taking a couple of touchdown passes from Jacoby Brissett in this game but uh, ultimately they couldn't stop the Bills and the Bills come away with a 31-23 victory Dave will put it to you first what did you make of this game? It was a weird kind of game I mean, I mean um, you, the Browns Browns are preparing for life uh, after Jacoby Brissett with obviously Deshaun Watson coming in and I think Amari Cooper was just brilliant he, he's a fantastic wide receiver and I, I do I generally think the Cowboys made a massive mistake in letting him go but uh, I, I don't I, I, think Tim's going to disagree with that, are you, Tim? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's not much to disagree with. Um, I, I was quite impressed with uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones as well. They're uh, kind of number two wide receiver uh, for the Browns as well. But the Bills just kind of, they're doing enough. I, th- I think they've slowed down remarkably since the beginning of the season. Uh, I, I suppose some people would suggest that was always going to happen. But, uh, I mean, they had to rely on five field goals in this game to get it done because they just couldn't quite get it uh, into the end zone uh, when they were driving downfield. Uh, obviously, Stefan Diggs uh, had had one touchdown pass and uh, Devin Singletree ran it in 
for a touchdown as well. But Josh Allen, 18 of 27 for 197 yards is not what we're used to seeing from him. But luckily, they managed to get the run game going. 29 uh, attempts between Singletree and Cook for a total of 172 yards. So they managed to get the run game going. They managed to pretty much snuff out Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb got an av- average 1.4 yards. When have you ever seen a team shut down Nick Chubb like that? Uh, it's just unheard of. Um, but apart from that, they had to rely on Jacoby Brissett, who had a pretty decent game, 28-41, 3-2-4 yards, and three touchdowns with no picks. So he did decent, but I'm afraid it just wasn't quite decent enough. So the Bills come away with a bit of a scrappy win, but a win's a win. It certainly isn't a very, very competitive AFC East. And as you've mentioned, Tyler Bass, six field goals in that game. It was an eight-point victory for the Bills, and they definitely needed every one of those field goals from Tyler Bass. So, uh, Tim, uh, did you watch this game? What did you think of this one? It wasn't the best performance by the Bills, but certainly uh, not the worst performance either. It wasn't at all. I think, you know, Amari Cooper, fantastic receiver. Obviously, he's good, you know. I think um, did Dallas make a mistake letting go? I, I don't think they made a mistake. I think um, the relationship was quite broken there. So he was never going to play for Dallas. He was never going to, you know, he was never going to be that guy that made a real all-out effort for for the team because he just didn't he didn't feel anymore. A bit like uh, Cristiano Ronaldo leaving leaving his club. You know, it's like, well, the the relationship is broken, so it's never going to work. But in this game, if you look at Cleveland's uh, receiving uh, eight eight receptions to Cooper. Uh, Peoples Jones gets five. Nick Chubb gets three. Harrison Bryant gets four. You know, they, they threw it to everybody except the Water Boy. You know, and it was just it was just everybody getting getting the catches all the show. You know, whereas like say the Bills was um, sort of a, a much more limited passing attack in favor of the of the Cook and Singletary just taking and ramming down the throat every single time. So um, and, you know the the good teams in the league will find a way to win whatever's working. If it's passing, they'll play on that. If it's rushing, they'll work on that. But the Bills seven and three to keep finding ways to win. So. Um, and like say field goals, well, if that's what it has to be, that's what it has to be. But they certainly made it work uh, work last week anyway. So we're going to move on, and we've now got the New York Giants and the Detroit Lions at MetLife Stadium. And 76,267 fans watched the Detroit Lions come in and absolutely put it to the New York Giants. Jamal Williams with three rushing touchdowns in this game. Um, it was quite a performance by Detroit, and this offense does seem to have found something going, particularly in the running game. Uh, Tim, we'll get your views on this one first. What did you make of this? An, an impressive win by the Lions. And I know a lot of people are seeing the, the Giants at, at worse than their record, but still a good win for the Lions nonetheless. Uh, yeah, it was. And the Lions are, you know, I'm, I'm most comfortable when the Lions are terrible. Uh, that's that's what I grew up with, and that's what I'm comfortable with. So um, when they start to win, it makes me very, very nervous that the world might be tilting wrongly on its axis. But um, like I say, the running game is fantastic. Justin Jackson with it was 66 yards. Jamal Williams with another 64 yards plus the three touchdowns. Um, sadly, I dumped him from my fantasy team when DeAndre Swift came back. Oh, uh, and I really wish I had Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but um, even, again, the, the passing game was strong as well. Uh, St. Brown is a, an outstanding receiver. He's seen all year long. No touchdowns, but just making, you know, averaging almost 11 yards per, per catch. Um, same for Khalif Raymond as well. Brock Wright, 10 yards per, on a couple of catches. So just everything just worked for the Lions. The problem with the Lions is they, they they don't make it work consistently. And so you end up with a team that's four and six. And if there were ever a game where you could have predicted the Giants might lose, you know, this would have been one because the, the, the Detroit are not as bad as the record shows and the Giants are not as good as the record shows. So it was, uh, it was always going to be a banana peel for the Giants. 
And Dave, the, the Lions really managed to shut down this rushing attack of Saquon Barkley and Matt Breida, Barkley in particular. Um, what did you think of this one? It was quite an impressive showing with that uh, Detroit front seven, in particular Aiden Hutchinson once again, my vote for a defensive rookie of the year. Absolutely. And just to round it off, he did get an interception as well. So, and numerous quarterback hurries as well. So he's really proving why he was picked number two in the draft. And, you know, arguably making the case that the Jaguars should have picked him at uh, number one. But yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the, the front, the front line of the Lions really put pressure on Daniel Jones and also just snuffed out the running game pretty emphatically. Um, Barkley was almost as bad as Nick Chubb 15 carries for 22 yards and that averages one and a half yards per carry just that that that's just numbers we don't see from these two these two, two I, I would make the case they are two probably in the top three uh, of running backs in the league I, I would put them maybe first and third um with Derrick Henry splitting the two of them that, that's kind of my top three of running backs but um Daniel Jones two picks as well he, he he was throwing for big yards when he was completing them. He did get a touchdown, obviously, as well. He threw for 341 yards. But the Giants just they didn't really show up in the middle part of the game. They they missed a, a Graham Gano, uh, our Scott, well, kind of Scottish Lionheart, missing an, uh, two extra points in the game, which is very unlike him. And they went for the two-point conversion with about five minutes to go and didn't get that either. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, the Lions in that game looked like the Lions we were expecting. We were expecting much improved Lions and they haven't really turned up, but I think injuries had a lot to do with that. Aiden Hutchinson, what a player. And he continues to do it. He's still going at this stage of the season. We know how good Jamal Williams is. And in my fantasy league, guess who I've got? Jamal Williams as one of my running backs. I've got Jamal Williams and Derek Henry in my, as my two running backs. So very happy with that as well. The three touchdowns for him. Jared Goff didn't have a bad game. He didn't have to do that much, though. I mean, he, he only had 26 attempts, uh, 17 completions for 165 yards. A lot of short throws. But at the same time, it's all he really needed to do. Uh, DeAndre Swift was coming in as the kind of third down back uh, behind Jamal Williams. So, yeah, the Lions can see they, they're starting to get a system going. Uh, they've got a three uh, running back kind of rotation at the moment with uh, Justin Jackson as well. Um, playing, play, he had nine carries for sixty-six yards, so he averaging seven yards per carry, which is not bad in itself. So, yeah, it's it, it's working. It might be too late, uh, but the NFC is quite competitive for the kind of wild card playoffs. I, I think the first place in the division is pretty much gone to the Vikings, but I'm sure we might we may approach that later. A little bit of discussion, but uh, yeah, the Lions they're proving that they are coming good or possibly good enough for the playoffs, but um, they need to keep going. And the Giants slip back to 7-3, which, again, words I didn't think would come out of my mouth this year. So, um, yeah, the, the Giants kind of lucky to be 7-3, but, yeah, uh, yeah. They're, still, they're still going. I think you'd actually pick them to go 8-2 as well last week. I'm pretty sure you had yeah. them doing that. I think I was purely because it was the Lions that they were playing. Uh, so we're going to move on now. and We're going to NRG Stadium, where 65,865 fans watched the Washington Commanders take on the Houston Texans and beat them fairly soundly. It, I mean, it started straight away with a... Kendall Fuller, 37-yard pick six, and the commanders never really looked back from there. They were 20 to nothing up at the half. The Texans really didn't have a great game. Davis Mills, um, for the first time that, 
you know, in, in a while actually had what we consider an actual bad game. He did not play well. And uh, it looks like he might actually not be playing next week. It looks like he's been benched. Um, which surprised me because I've been seeing that Davis Mills has been playing probably better than anyone expected him to play. It has done for the you know a year and a half, uh, but he has he's benched for next year. They're bringing in Kyle Allen, I believe, to be the the starter next week. So um, Dave, we'll put it to you, Commanders Texans. What did you think? Well, we we know I'm not the biggest Davis Mills fan. I I, I don't think he's up to scratch. Uh, he would be a good he'd be a good a good backup to have, but I don't think he's a kind of first choice franchise quarterback by any stretch of the imagination and the Texans really got found out in this game it was more kudos to the commanders because they just shut them down and one of our kind of candidates for offensive rookie of the year Damon Damon Pierce just got annihilated in that backfield 10 carries for eight yards is just <laughs> ridiculous it was so bad their their biggest rusher was actually davis mills five carries for 10 yards because Oof. he ran rushed, rushed in for that one touchdown that they had um, I think that that was quite late on in the game, if I remember rightly. And yeah, I, the, even though the commanders they couldn't quite get into the end zone quite a few times, uh, so uh, their uh, field goal they, they had three three field goals. But um, yeah, that that defensive touchdown early on from Calfo that that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. And Texans just could never recover. I, I mean, going into what the going into halftime, uh, I think it was twenty points to nil. And it was, yeah. Yeah, they just kind of sat back for the majority of the game. Or, well, never never sat back, but they, they didn't have to go kind of gun-ho. And, yeah, they secure another victory, which, again, it raised them to what, so a winning record now, 6-5. and five, And the Texans pretty much trying to shell up that first-round pick, uh, that first pick of the draft. And I would say that the Rams are kind of competing with them for that, but we gave our pick away. So, uh, you know, it's... <laughs> Well, I don't even you know always, what we're doing You always manage to bring it back to the Rams. I, I just, I don't, know, I, I don't know how you do this. I believe it. I believe it's PTSD. I think, but we'll, we'll come, we'll come to that. But you know, it, it's the te- the Texans. I, I think the Texans are definitely favourites for that first that first pick in the draft because at the beginning of the year we said it was going to be between the Texans and the Bears, and I think the Texans have shelled that one up pretty well. And yeah. Uh, end of Davis Mills as first choice quarterback appears to be so they are one and eight and one now the Houston Texans uh Tim did you see anything in this game is there any hope for this Texans team I wouldn't have thought so unless unless they trade Brandon Cook uh, for some more uh high level um uh picks in the draft he, he had three receptions for 70 yards you're averaging 23 yards per reception He's a fantastic receiver. He really is, and, and I rate him very highly. I was kind of hoping Dallas might swoop in and nick him off him, but uh, they didn't. Um, so Jerry Jones uh, decisively did nothing during the uh, at the end of the draft, uh, the trade period there. Um, Antonio Gibson, uh, you know, had a great performance, 18 carries, 72 yards. I don't expect either one of these teams to be making a deep run in the playoffs because neither one has a quarterback. Um, you know, you got a QBR of 51 on one side and 11 on the other. It's not really uh, – there's nothing awe-inspiring here. <laughs> And so what we'll do is we'll move on to the next game. And if you want awe-inspiring, oh my word, do we have it for you. The New England Patriots and the New York Jets at Gillette Stadium. 65,878 fans watched Bill Belichick's defense put on a masterclass. Because if there are three things in life that are certain, it's death, Mm -hmm. taxes, and Bill Belichick beating the New York Jets. (laughs) And uh, I'm just going to throw a couple of stats out here very quickly, gentlemen. Zach Wilson, 9 out of 22, 77 yards. 
have a rating of 50.8. He was sacked four times for 33 yards. The New York Jets had 103 total yards in this game, 101 of them by halftime. They had two yards in the second half of this game. And this game was tied up at 3-3 with 30 seconds to go in the game. And the Jets were punting, right? So what do you do? Well, you play for overtime in this situation, don't you? I mean, you just just kick kick the ball out of bounds. No, they decide to punt it right down the middle of the field. And Marcus Jones yeah. takes it 84 yards for a walk-off touchdown. For the New England yeah. Patriots to win 10-3, Tim, it's your first. This was well, one of the worst offensive performances. And this is coming from a Broncos fan. This is one of the worst offensive performances or one of the best defensive performances, whichever way you want to look at it, that I've seen in a long, long time. Tim, what do you think? How on earth did the Patriots only win 10-3 to on a last-second touchdown? Bizarre. I can't understand. Look at the stats. You've got such, I mean, well, okay, New England got some, they got some yards in the, in the passing, you know, 246 yards passing, 99 rushing. It's okay. Um, but, but given that, you would, ex- you really would expect them against a team that, that only had 100 odd yards total, you'd expect them to be up sort of 28 nil, you know, uh, to have a reasonable lead in going in the fourth quarter. They managed to not. And I don't know what's going on with this, this Patriots team. I really don't. Um, yeah, Bill Belichick, you, you, you kind of think, oh, well, he'll, he'll deliver a good performance. He'll get the most out of his team. But no matter what they do, they still just seem to have a real resistance to scoring many points. Um, so I don't know. It's, uh, again, not not especially awe-inspiring, but some good individual performances in there. Certainly, uh, Ramondre Stevenson has really come into his own there. He's kind of taken the lead on, on a lot of receiving and rushing, to be honest. Um, uh, Jacoby Myers always gets his share. Uh, the tight end, Johnny Smith, does okay. You know, There's a lot of sort of decent performances there. But overall, you really would expect New England to make more out of it than they did to, to have to have 345 yards of offense, where it was, and 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 not have any more points. The only thing I could say was that Mac Jones spent quite a lot of time on his bum. He was uh, he was sacked six times for uh, for loss of 48 yards, which is a pretty good hammering he took. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't trust him as my first string quarterback. But he was he was 23 out of, out of 27, you know, completions. So he's doing okay. But yeah, it's just a bizarre situation. And like I say, the Jets to be kicking it right in the middle of the field um, with with 30 seconds left is like why. I mean, because they're the Jets, obviously, but why else would they do that? You know? Why indeed? Uh, I mean, uh, Dave, what did you think of this? It, this was just a bizarre game. It, it, the the scoreline doesn't tell you how good a game it actually was, but it was only good from a defensive point of view. The Jets' defense were pretty good. They, that that defensive line got to uh, Mac Jones so much, so many times. But Zach Wilson is just awful. He is. He's just shockingly bad and you know we we spoke about this yesterday that uh in his press conference when he was asked did you let the the, the defense down um you know since they only conceded three points right until the end he went no and uh, that there was nothing no other comment whatsoever which a i think is a bit of a lie and b it's just wrong it's i, I think he 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 let everyone down i think because he he can't throw the ball he was he was trying to do a kind of Lamar most of the time and dance about, but it just wasn't working. The Patriots' uh, defense line this year have been really good. I mean, their defense tackle is uh, the I think he's got the most sacks. He's got something like thirteen sacks this year already, and it's just it's Tavai his name. I think the defense tackle Tavai. Uh, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he's got something like 13 sacks this year. But like you said, it, it was just, it's it's the most Bill Belichick performance we've seen for a while. And we've seen a few of them already. But all, the, the other thing I missed, uh, that I, I missed that I saw was the missed field goals. There was two missed field goals from Nick Folk, which is not a very, not something that you see very often. Uh, the only thing about the Jets with Greg, Greg the leg, he didn't really have much chance to get a field goal because they couldn't get it past the halfway line. So, yeah, the the Jets were terrible on offense. They were really good on defense. I feel bad for the defense, but yeah, I, I mean, he's uh, we we do know now that uh, Mike White is going to be in place of Zach Wilson for next week or as of next week. So there, there's a big change there, and that could be the end of Zach Wilson and another uh, quarterback getting benched, and could be the end of his fran- being his career as a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Zach White has been named the starter for next week. Zach White? Sorry, sorry, I said Zach White. I beg your pardon. Zach White. You know what I mean. Mike White. Mike White. Yeah, the the child of Zach Wilson and Mike White. (laughs) Mike White. More more likely Zach Wilson and Mike White's mother. Uh, (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) On the nose. Oh, right. Anyway, Mike White White is the starter, and Drew Flacco is his backup. Zach Wilson is inactive, healthy and active. And I believe he'd actually asked Robert Salah, why me? Well, you know, two two yards in the second half, Zach, that'll do it. it. Absolutely. (laughs) And, and, you know, as you mentioned, for him to say that he didn't let down the defense or the offense didn't let down the defense, that's just, when he said that, I couldn't believe it. He said, no. You're like, "Of, of course you did. Anyone else would own that and say, yeah, we needed to be better. That was just absolutely shocking from Wilson. Um, and yeah, so that's him. He's, he's benched and he might be out now. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something here, Dave, because I was, I was talking to Tim before we actually uh, began the podcast. Um, Ryan Leaf. Now, Ryan Leaf is one of the uh, all-time draft busts. Yes. He owns this. He admits this. He, he often presents uh, the Rich Eisen show, and Rich Eisen isn't there. And, you know, people will often bring up his rookie year, 1998, and he, he openly admits that he made some terrible decisions. And throughout his life, he made some terrible decisions. He was addicted to painkillers, um, mm-hmm. but he got himself back on track. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, there was an exchange between Ryan Leaf um, and a New York Jets fan on Twitter. And uh, the Jets fan tweeted, I, ca- I really can't believe we picked Mormon Ryan Leaf, indicating Zach Wilson. To mm. which Ryan Leaf responded, yes, you can. You're the Jets. It's what you do. <laughs> shots so, fired. Shots fired. So the fan then responds, uh, this, this, this fan on, on Twitter responds, Ryan, respectfully shut the F up. You're mm. worse than a Mormon that can't throw a ball straight. Yeah. To which Ryan Leaf responded, and this is the kicker here, I've had a better life than Jets fans over the last decade, and I spent three of those years in prison, respectfully, of course. So, <laughs> Ryan Leaf, because the thing is, he's not wrong. You know, I mean, the Jets fans yeah. have had a rough, really rough for a decade, but for someone to actually say they've, they've had a better life over the past 10 years than three of those years they spent in prison, uh, do you know what? Hats off to, to Ryan Leaf. 
Um, absolute, yeah, absolute <laughs> respect to that man. So uh, we're going to move on, gentlemen. We come to the Atlanta Falcons and the Chicago Bears at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Full house, sixty-nine thousand seven hundred fifty-seven fans watched that Atlanta Falcons beat the Chicago Bears by a score of twenty-seven twenty-four, and the. Big story for me in this one is that with 4.18 to go in the first half, Cordell Patterson took a kickoff 103 yards for a touchdown. He now has the NFL record. He's in sole position with the NFL record for most kickoff return touchdowns in a career. Cordell Patterson for the Hall of Fame. I'm seeing it right now. Dave Somerville, what do you see? I love Cordell Patterson. I, I love a bit of uh, kick returns as well. And, you know, we, we obviously really love them on this uh, podcast, uh, obviously with the, the greats, uh, M- Mr. Milburn as well. Um, but, yeah, but, uh, Cordell Patterson, he, he's he's great. He's a good, very good running back. He's I, I, he's obviously one of the best in the league, but at the same time, what a kick return. Well, it, it, it was just, he just kind of, he's not like a kind of duking uh, running back, he's he's arguably more a power one, but that was just a power run all the way to the end zone, and it's not the first time he's done it. Obviously, since he holds the record, but it's not. It, teams should be aware of this. They know that there's a potential to do it, and yet they still kind of give him the opportunity to do it. Um, I, I mean, it it was a good performance from the Falcons. They they scored in every single quarter, which I'm not sure they've done all season. Um, the Bears just falling short. I, I felt a bit bad. Justin Fields was up and down in the game. Um, he did have that one pick, but he also threw for a touchdown. Just just shy of 100 yards as well with from 18 carries, and he also rushed in for a touchdown. They couldn't, apart from Justin Fields, they couldn't really get the run game going. I, I, I said last week Khalil Herbert was out injured, uh, and it... it basically fell to uh, David Montgomery to try to pick up something, and he got se- 67 yards from 17 carries. Um, they gave the ball to Tristan Ebner. Uh, I think he's a rookie uh, out of Baylor, I think. Um, and he, he only got six carries in the game for eight yards. So, um, yeah, the Fal- Falcons did just enough. It, it was a pretty close game all the way. It was 17 all at half time. Falcons going for a touchdown in the third quarter. Bears came back, but Yonko Ku with a couple of field goals pretty much got them over the line. So well done, Pat Cordell Patterson. And obviously we saw Mariota in there as well. Still not sure what he's doing there. I don't think he knows what he's doing there, but he's <laughs> there. Uh, 13 or 20 completions for 131 yards. He, he did no picks, which for Mariota is a little surprising, but you know, he, he, he 131 yards isn't that much. And then when he was running, he actually ran 13 times for it. So he averaged 1.9 yards with his 25 yards con- contributed on the ground. Uh, he did rush in for one touchdown, but yeah, Falcons got it done. And there, there was some rumors about Cal Pitts as well, uh, a, a possible injury as well, and he could be out for a period of time. Yeah, I did see that. It looks like Cal Pitts might actually require surgery and be out for the rest of the season. That would be Ouch. a terrible shame for him if that is indeed the case. We'll keep an eye on that story as it comes up. I know what you're talking about, Mariotta. I'm I watch him play and I'm thinking that they, honestly, they got rid of Matt Ryan and brought in Marcus Mariotta. I, I just I don't get it. Uh, but Tim, we'll put it to you. For the first time in, what, five weeks now, the Chicago Bears were held under 230 yards rushing. So uh, the Falcons definitely did something right. What did you make of this one, Tim? 
Well, I remember that one of those games for the Bears was against Dallas. So in Dallas, lets everybody run. They don't care. Um, you know, just, it's a free for all when you play <laughs> Dallas. You can run wherever you want. Anybody again, hand the water boy. He'll run past him. Anyway, so uh, uh, Corderell. I like Corder, not Cordero. I I like Corderell as in Corduroy. Anyway, that guy. Um, <laughs> well, what an athlete! What, what did I see? I don't know what anybody said, but I, I think you say it correctly with Cordero. But Corda- I like Cordell. Oh, see, now I can't say it. Cordell Patterson. Anyway, my favorite trousers. When I was a wee boy, my favorite trousers were corduroys. So I'm gonna call him Corderell. Anyway, so that's one. Uh, And what an athlete. Outstanding. And this game, for two teams with both with losing records, now they both have losing records. Um, Falcon, uh, sorry, uh, both would have before anyway. Um, What a game. And and it's so enjoyable. I think Justin Fields, I think he had some health concerns. Was he not looked at by the medics at one point in the second half? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that stopped the Bears having the the offense output that they made in the second half. Um, I mean, it wasn't huge. There were 17 points in the first half, seven in the second half. But you didn't see Justin Fields making the same runs. He had opportunities to run where you saw him hold back and look for the pass. Whereas, whereas in the first half he would have just taken off. Um, and so I'll be, I'll be watching. He's he's in my fantasy team, so I'll be watching carefully to see how he gets through practice this week. Um, because I'm just wondering if maybe that didn't that didn't slow Chicago down a bit in the second half. But again, for two teams losing records, what a great game to watch. And there was a there was a reasonable sort of output from both teams and a and a, a real effort offense and defense. It was just. It was just a good game to watch. It was a good fans game. You know, not a good game for neutral to watch. Um, Marcus Mariota, I don't know, man. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what he's doing there either. Nobody does, but um, and especially like so over over the, the quarterbacks they've had in the past, where which have been you know pretty reasonable. This guy just doesn't seem to fit anywhere. Um, so I suspect uh, he'll be he'll maybe get his pink his pink slip for the end of the year. But um, but no, Cordero Patterson, fantastic athlete, and just you know he's he's the star of almost every show he, he plays in, really. He certainly is. Uh, yeah, I know what you know. Uh, Justin Fields, I believe he did suffer some sort of shoulder injury during so, the yeah. game. I think it was a shoulder injury. I need to check that. Um, so that may may well have affected his decisions as to whether or not to take off. Because these running quarterbacks, they take a battering. They really do. Oh, you know, regardless yeah. of how much you know they, they they slide when they can, they get hit a lot more when they're running than they would if they were just uh, stepping back to pass. So we then move on to the uh, Baltimore Ravens and the Carolina Panthers at M&T Bank Stadium. 70,677 people watch the Baltimore Ravens take care of business 13-3. The Panthers never really looked like doing anything in this game, uh, but neither did the <laughs> neither did the Ravens very much. In this one, it was a, a very low-scoring, very little offense uh, offensive performance-wise from both of these teams, but... Carolina, Baker Mayfield, I thought he was going to do the business for the Panthers, and I, I've just been proved wrong every time he steps in that field. Tim, we'll put it to you first. What did you see in this one? Yeah, lots of, lots of letdowns for, um, for Carolina. It's bizarre these games that are that are thirteen to three and you know ten to three and teams that are teams with good records, seven three Ravens, thirteen to three over over Carolina. You just think what's going on there? That, that seems really strange. And then you look at um, Carolina's performance, which is 36 yards rushing. <laughs> you just think, oh, okay, that makes sense. And yeah, if you, if you don't run the ball, like I said earlier, if you don't run the ball, then you're not going to pass the ball. And if you don't pass the ball or run the ball, you're not going to score. Um, and so that's and that's just kind of the way it went. You know, in 196 yards um, uh, total in uh, in receiving, you know, you'd think they could have done something with that, but it just wasn't there at all. Um, and, and you know, it's kind of Carolina are, are uh, they're a worthy three and eight on the year. Uh, Baltimore, some of these teams that you look at and, and they've got. You know, Lamar Jackson is certainly a talented athlete and a, a very capable guy. 
But you look at some of these guys who are, who are not leaving their teams in the end zone, and this was Dallas for a long time as well for for several games. They're just not getting across the line, um, and and that's what the number one thing you have to do to you, you can't win games without scoring. You know that's 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 uh, that's the long and the short of it. So um, yeah, good for the Ravens. Got another win. They're seven and three, winning record, three and two at home. Carolina zero and five away. You might have predicted they were going to lose this one, but um, and, and Baker Mayfield. I don't know. Again, a quarterback with so much promise that just never quite delivers. Hard to explain. Dave, what did you think of this one? It, it was it wasn't a great game to watch at all. It was a pretty boring game, to be honest. Um, uh, B- Baker was just not the Baker that from that that he was in Cleveland. He, I I don't know what's happened. I I I, I, I he's definitely regressed as a quarterback. Um, yeah, he, he there was two picks as well, and they they weren't very good to watch picks. They, they the ones that were very avoidable. But the Panthers just couldn't run the ball. They 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 were. They basically chose not to run the ball, but when they did, they couldn't pick up anything. There were 11 carries for 24 yards for uh, for Foreman. Um, then you had Chubba Hubbard as well with only four carries, and he got zero yards uh, for those four carries. Um, but basically, they, they ran the ball f- uh, 15 times. Baker Mayfield had to run for two, ty- uh, two uh, carries. Basically, they were um, busted plays that were meant to be passed, and he had 33 attempts as well. Uh, so they chose to uh, pass the ball a lot more than run the ball, and I think it backfired quite a bit because they just couldn't get anything done on the ground, couldn't get anything done through the air, and Baker is just struggling in Carolina right now. The Ravens, on the other hand, I mean, Lamar Jackson, you're almost expecting him to get an interception every game now. He's Obviously, he's amazing on the feet, but he's he's thrown quite a few interceptions this year. He hasn't... He didn't throw a touchdown in this game. He got 11 carries for only 31 yards, but he did get that one rushing touchdown. Um, he threw a lot, and I'm and I'll, I mean a lot at Demarcus Robinson. Every time that um, Mark Andrews was covered, he was straight to Robinson and was only looking for Robinson. It felt quite often. So yeah, between Robinson and Andrews, 15 carries for 191 yards. Uh, so that that's uh, I mean Lamar only threw for two hundred nine yards, so that you know it's like ninety percent of his uh, throws and and his yardage went to these two guys. So I think the Ravens are a bit limited on offense, but against that Carolina team, I think that's all they needed to be honest. The, the Ravens defense really stepped up. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul got, got in for uh, got an interception, which is a bit odd for Jason Pierre-Paul. <laughs> but he also got a sack as well, but. Again, another trade acquisition, Raquan Smith uh, from the Bears, getting in there with a sack as well, rushing in from the linebacker position. So they did enough. I mean, the Panthers were poor, but you know, the Baltimore weren't that much better until the fourth quarter when they finally kind of woke up and uh, just kind of drummed the game home. But obviously, uh, Justin Tucker, two field goals and an extra point could have been the Panthers just with that alone. So that's how poor Carolina have been. I think they're... Um, going to be very very high on the draft picks for next year and I think they'll be looking at the quarterbacks I think they have to look at quarterbacks at this point I don't think they've got a yeah. choice in oh, that. and I, I think I remember I heard as well that Sam Darnold is starting next week oh my goodness they're just dropping like flies these quarterbacks um, I, you know that doesn't surprise me doesn't surprise yeah. me at all uh, so we then move on to the Philadelphia Eagles and the Indianapolis Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium. And 66,241 fans watched their Indianapolis Colts lead this game for 58 minutes and 40 seconds. 
They took the lead uh, midway through the first, the Jonathan Taylor touchdown run, and led all the way up until with 1 minute 20 to go, Jalen Hurts run it in from 7 yards to give the Eagles a 17-16 lead, and that ended the game. It really looked like the Eagles were going to lose this one for long periods, um, but they finally pulled it out uh, just just at the end there to improve to 9-1. and one. So Dave, we'll put it to you first. What did you make of this one? I didn't like it at the end. Uh, I saw the Eagles head coach celebrating ridiculously and kind of taunting some of the Colts fans that were behind the um, behind the team uh, benches and things like that. But they were they were pretty lucky to get the win here. I feel um, you know Jalen Hurts didn't do actually that much wrong. But apart from him, the Eagles couldn't really get much done on offense. Sanders thirteen carries for forty seven yards. Um, but one thing that I did note uh, from the game is that there was a lot of sacks on both sides. Matt Ryan went down four times. Jalen Hurts went down three times. Um, there was also a lot of penalties, 15 penalties in the game between the two, and that totaled 145 yards. Uh, I think a lot. both teams were pretty much trying to lose the game because each team fumbled. The Eagles having two fumbles in the game and uh, the Colts having one. But... You know the way the way the Eagles head coach celebrated against uh basically a team with a head coach that's a it's a second game coaching in the NFL coming out off coaching a high school team is it, it was a bit too much for me. I mean it was a great comeback, but neither team were that great. They, they oh, like Tim said earlier, the, the best teams know how to get it done. But the Eagles were pretty poor. They they don't look like a team that has the record that they do, uh, which is now nine and one. The Colts four six and one. Um, I think the Colts will be scratching their heads as to how they actually lost this game in the end. But you know they 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 got it done. I'm not quite sure how, but they did get it done. And yeah, uh, AJ Brown coming uh, coming good with a few a few good catches. Devontae Smith with another good few catches. Apart from that, everyone else was quiet for Jalen Hurts. 18 or 25 for 190 yards and one touchdown, but Hurts nearly getting twice the amount of rushing yards that Miles Sanders did with 86 yards. So um, I think it was a very... Uh, without Jalen Hurts, the Eagles would have probably got three, uh, been held to something about three points. So I, I think they've got to thank their quarterback a lot for winning this game. So big up Jalen Hurts for that one. Absolutely. Uh, Tim, what did you make of this one? Obviously, the d- division rivals your own team there. It looked like they were going to lose it, but they pulled it out right I really, at I really the end. They were. And uh, to be honest, the, this is one of the first games where um, the Eagles have made me kind of worry because even when they were undefeated, I thought they're really not, they're not convincing me. I'm, they're good, but they're not convinced me that I should be worried about them. Um, no more than anybody else. You know, they, they didn't look like an undefeated team to even when they were. Um, and actually, I thought Indian- Indianapolis would beat them this week. I, I, I thought it would be a low-scoring game. I thought Indianapolis would, would beat them. The fact they came back and scored two touchdowns in the in the final frame to to overtake them kind of made me thought, oh, okay, maybe they maybe they've got a bit of, a bit of guts about it after all. I didn't see the thing with the coach that they mentioned there. Uh, it's, that's very disappointing. If you if you go from a team that is unexpectedly undefeated, where everybody suddenly respects you and thinks, oh, they're having a great year, this is fantastic, to be in that team where the head coach is taunting opponent uh, opposing fans. You don't want to have a word for yourself. That that is absolutely you know, pride goeth before the fall, and that is absolutely the way to tank your season. Because if you start getting ideas above your station, start thinking, "Oh, well, we've got this licked." I guarantee you're going to get more and more people jumped up and beating you when you when you wouldn't expect them to. So I'll be interested to see if they if they keep their feet on the ground and and, and sort of continue to work hard. Because 
I think the players are are a hardworking bunch. I think they're. I've always said they're the second best team in the NFC East, and I stand by that. Um, well, but of this course you do. Of course you do. Every every team that's not the Dallas Cowboys, in Tim's mind, is the next best team in the NFC East. I think. They, and you want know that was all correct except for the part about in Tim's mind. <laughs> so I think uh, I think gentlemen we might move on from this <laughs> we come to the uh, New Orleans Saints the Los Angeles Rams at Caesar Superdome 70,025 oh. fans I apologize Dave um, what's the New Orleans Saints beat the Rams 27 to 20 um, Tim we'll put it to you first before we let Dave go on about this one um, what did you think of this one it was like another poor performance by the Rams it was yeah and and two sort of teams are losing records but again an entertaining game to watch for a neutral um, and I love Andy Dalton I got so much time for him he played well for Dallas when he when he, when he was a backup for us um, and he's playing well in his own right he's finally got a chance to to lead a team of his own for a while and and he's doing a great job of that I think it's I think it's a, a huge amount of respect to him I think the problem with um, uh, the Rams, well, it's hard to say. I don't, I'm not sure what the problem with the Rams is. That they've not had any players that just perform week in, week out. They just have, they're just patchy. They're way too patchy this year. Um, and uh, I'm not sure. I, I, they are, they've still a lot of talented players, but it's just not come together at all. So um, I thought the Saints were worthy winners in this one. I thought they played well. And I thought Andy Dalton, especially, I think he's leading that team really well. Uh, the big ginger ninja. Um, uh, I just, you know, I don't know why every backup quarterback in the NFL has to have <laughs> ginger, ginger hair. Ginger uh, ninja. Yeah, the ginger ninja. That's the guy. That's the guy. <laughs> I've not heard that one before. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> so I, I like him, and I got a lot of time for him. So um, uh, this uh, this Olavi guy, uh, five receptions for 102 yards. Well, that's respectable. Um, but they actually had uh, three receiving touchdowns uh, overall, in New Orleans, which is good. You know, and if you got Alvin Kamara, you automatically have respect in your running game, even if he doesn't do that much, which he didn't. You automatically have other teams respecting your running game, which which opens up the passing game for you, as, as Dave was pointing out earlier. Dave, it's all yours, mate. I really want it to be, but okay. Well, I mean, it, it really didn't help when Matt Stafford was taken out of the game uh, with a concussion. So um, he was doing really well up to that point. He was 11 of 18, 159 yards, a massive uh, 60 odd yard throw uh, to Tutu Atwell. You know, he he was our second round pick a couple of years ago. And he was he showed his speed there, but when Stafford went down, that that was pretty much game over. I I, I was I, th- I think it was the end of the third quarter. I finally switched it off because I just had no faith whatsoever in Bryce Perkins. Um, Perkins came in. He was five of ten for sixty four yards, but he's he's he, he had five carries as well for thirty nine yards. So he picked up a good few on his feet, but we just couldn't get anything done. The run game. I mean, we, we ran the ball a lot, uh, especially after Stafford went down, picked up about just shy of 150 yards in the rushing game, but through the air, it just wasn't good enough, I'm afraid. And uh, we've also re- now released Daryl Henderson, who basically took over from Cam Akers. So he's been cut uh, this week after that game. Uh, we've also released Justin Hollins, um, who was our outside linebacker. He, he was okay, I guess, but he didn't really show much. Um, we've got um, we've got a promising um, future running back in Kevin Williams. He's just come back from a nasty injury. Um, he got seven carries for thirty six yards. Cam Akers was the main running back, which I'm disappointed to see. He wanted to leave. The Rams wanted to trade him. Couldn't get anything done. We didn't cut him. Um, Henderson was coming up to the end of his contract this year. 
didn't he, he only got two carries in the entire game. He wasn't happy with that, and subsequently it's been cut. But our offensive line is just battered, and I, 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 I'm struggling to see how some of the players on on the team are still at the team. They're, they're, they're still professional football players at this point. Taylor Rapp, who's allegedly a safety, is probably the size of a linebacker. Should be playing linebacker for. I don't know, maybe like a part-time team, but he's not. He's playing for the Rams. Of course, he's playing for the Rams. Uh, the offensive line is just—it's—it's it's held together by string and um, like kind of children's PVA glue at this point, and we are struggling. Uh, we got a few sacks as well. Greg Gaines, who's a big guy, big three hundred pound guy, got two sacks. Uh, Leonard Floyd came coming off the edge because the Saints were so focused on Aaron Donald. He got two sacks as well. But yeah, the Saints did enough. And enough was definitely enough because we just did we could not do anything and you know we, we I think the scoreline actually flattered us believe it or not that we were only seven points down the Rams are deservedly three and seven the Saints I mean they had a few injuries themselves but they managed to get the job done I I just I don't know what we do from here at this point we we've got no draft picks to kind of lean back on um, we've got a lot of players that are free agents at the end of the year. Um, some of our big players, like Greg Gaines, it, one of the players I think is one of the best run-stopping defense tackles in the league. Ashawn Robinson is a free agent at the end of the year. I, I don't know where we go from here. We're go, we're going to have to pay some of those guys, and I I don't think they really want to stay. I know it. We're, we won a Super Bowl last year, but you wouldn't think it. They're the absolutely awful team right now, and. I feel bad for the fans that are paying a lot of money to go to that brand new stadium uh, every week and their team's not putting on performance. But I think there's a good chance that Stafford might sit out for a lot of the, the rest of the season because two concussions in the space of a few weeks. We know what happened to Tua and I don't want to see that happen to Stafford, especially after we've just paid it. We're, we're, we've extended his contract by nine figures. So I don't want that to happen and I want the Rams to actually be ready for next season because right now, I mean, we're ready for the bin, let alone next season. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm done. I don't want to talk about the game anymore. I'm just going to start crying. So, um, yeah, just I, 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 want, I want to see Sean McVay stay, but he needs to expand his playbook a lot more to stop, uh, stop running it so obviously, stop the screens that are so obvious all the time. Because I think a lot of the blame for that game that we could have won lies with some of his play calling as well. And speaking of play calling, we then come to the Denver Broncos at the Las Vegas Raiders. Empower Field at Mile High, a.k.a. Mile High Stadium. Uh, Attendance, 76,056 fans packed into Mile High Stadium to watch the Denver Broncos march down the field on their opening possession and score a touchdown. That was basically it, because the Raiders dominated for the rest of the game and the Broncos couldn't get anything done. It was absolutely hopeless. So, um, Dave, we'll put it to you first. How rubbish was this? <laughs> it was an interesting one. Um, I did see something, <coughs> excuse me, on uh, Twitter that there is currently a, a graph going on of whether um, Russell Wilson is going to surpass the amount of bathrooms that he has in his new house for touchdowns this season. 
So <laughs> currently he's on seven touchdowns, whereas he currently has 12 bathrooms in his house. So the race bathrooms. is on. That's a lot. He's got 12 bathrooms. I'm not quite sure why he has 12 bathrooms. Uh, he, he may have some uh, problems. Maybe, maybe uh, he has uh, Lamar Jackson come around to visit or something. <laughs> oh, good. I mean, I mean, yeah, just, oh, it, it, it was... That well, we we know we know what's happened as well. Melbourne Gordon has been cut from the Broncos uh, right after this game, and I'm not sure. If, I, I think the Broncos are in a similar situation to the Rams in the way that they they've got good players, but then the rest of the the between the head coach making some dodgy play calls and some of their kind of more average players, shall we say, just not stepping up to the mark and Russell Wilson. He he made a good few throws, a, a few good throws in competent plays. The Broncos couldn't get, really get the run game going. Uh, Murray only got 49 yards from 17 carries. He did get that one touchdown. Apart from that, he, I mean, he's not scrambling. Is Russell Wilson? He's he's just he's he got one carry to try to expect to uh, extend the play, but third down they were three of twelve on third down. Wilson got sacked three times. I think the only good thing is that he didn't throw an interception or uh, there was no fumble in the game as well. But. Um, yeah, it's hard to pick apart a game that... It, it it was good offensively from the Raiders, and I think the Broncos did well to limit them to 22 points, but apart from that, Broncos still just... I mean, you know, it went to overtime, but they took just that 18-point kind of curse that they've got at the moment. You you know the stats yourself. If they got 18 points, it'd be, what, 9-1, 8-2, something yeah, along those so lines? If, so if the Broncos had scored 18 points... In regulation, in every game this season, they'd mm. be nine and one. Yeah. So the way, the, you, know, you know, what you feel now is that if they'd scored eighteen points every game, the other team would have scored nineteen. That's how you really feel, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I don't know, Tim. Uh, Tim, do you, do you have anything you want to say about this before I start? Yeah, I mean, I, I think what Dave says right. It's hard to pick apart why Denver aren't you have don't have a better record than they do because they've they've had some good performances. But you look at and, and you know Dave's saying that the Rams the the play calling is is off. You know, look at look at the Raiders and the Raiders are, have a terrible record, three and seven. But they basically say, okay, Derek Carr is going to hand off to Josh Jacobs or he's going to throw to Devontae Adams. That's their game plan. That's it. You know, and of course there's some other receptions in there, but you know Devontae Adams seven receptions for 140 yards, 13 targets, one receiver being targeted 13 times. That's just that's just you know that's really lopsided. Two touchdowns along as the 35. So their game plan is give it to Josh Jacobs throw it to Adams. That's it. You know, so, um, and if they can make that work for him, I'm surprised they made it work for him three times this year, to be honest with only with that, with that really limited sort of play calling. Um, but the, the league this year, all, all around is hard to predict. You look at teams that seem to have all the talent in the world and have got average records. You know, there's, there's, I think, are there, are there still entire divisions that have a losing record every single team? <laughs> so it's a really strange sort of year for, for records and wins and losses and, and the way things have, have sort of shaken out. But, uh, for your sake, Ian, I'm hopeful. That, I'm hopeful that Denver pulls it back and gets some sort of a a decent season out of it in the end. But and then they're they're more than capable. I really I really rate Latavius Murray. I think he's a good running back. You know, and um, he didn't do so well um, uh, at the weekend there. But you know, there's he, he's not bad. He's a decent sort of he's a decent sort of player. And maybe if he's getting if he's getting all the attention, maybe he comes around and plays better. But I certainly hope so for for your sake and for Denver's sake. But the scrambling, I'd like to see Wilson moving around more as well. That's what he's famous for. So we should stick to you know. Yeah, so um, ah, where do we begin? Let me tell that. Uh, let me tell you what I know. Right, so the Raiders are three and seven. Two of those wins are against the Denver Broncos. For some <laughs> reason, 
And I don't know what it is. The Raiders always beat the Broncos. I think the Broncos have now lost six or seven in a row to the Raiders. This Raiders team is terrible. Everyone knows it. They're awful. They're arguably the most underperforming team in the entire NFL, maybe just next to the Denver Broncos. Just the, the biggest disappointment from what they did in the offseason to what they're doing on the field this year. Max Crosby looked like the, the, the ghost of Derek Thomas, RIP Derek Thomas, out there. Like seriously, only against the Broncos. He does this. And he forced the fumble from Melvin Gordon. He blocked a field goal. He had two sacks. And he's like, he, he doesn't do this in any other games other than games against the Broncos. Russell Wilson missed some wide open receivers. And I don't mean didn't like miss them with a throw. Didn't see some wide open receivers. Guys with no more than 10 yards of them. Now, the Raiders won this in overtime. It was 16-16. And for some reason, and I don't know why, because every time the Broncos do this, or every time, every time, any time, any team does this, I beg your pardon, every time any team does this, I think, why are you doing this? They went into a prevent defense with, you know, two minutes to go. And I was saying, you called it on Twitter as well. I, saying, I, I did. I did. Yeah. I said, if they go prevent defense on this, if they all of a sudden, because they've, they've stopped the Raiders virtually the entire game virtually the entire game they'd stopped the Raiders from scoring and then all of a sudden they go into prevent defense and the Raiders are able to just march the ball down the field uh, and they got the game time field goal now prior to this the Broncos actually had third and 10 with uh, I think it was two, two minutes on, on the clock third and 10 two minutes to go and Russell Wilson throws an incompletion and you're thinking right hang on a second the Raiders have no timeouts. There's two minutes on the clock. You've got the ball. Just run. Run either, either hand off or scramble or, you know, take a sack and punt. But he throws an incompletion and stops the clock. You're giving the other team a timeout. Now, that's not on Nathaniel Hackett. He wasn't calling the plays in this game. Clint Kubiak was promoted to call the plays in this game. And I'll be honest, the play calls were better, but that was a terrible play call. That should have been a run. There's two minutes to go. You're up by three points. Your defense has been playing well all game. Take another 30 seconds off the clock and, and punt. But they didn't. That, that's by the by. They then play a prevent defense, and I was just losing my mind, and I was watching these Raiders receivers. The, the, the tight end, is it? Foster Moreau, I believe his name is. No yeah, one right. within five yards of him. They're playing the softest zone defense you've ever seen. Um, and Devontae Adams for the walk-off touchdown in overtime, uh, just, I'm not sure what happened because it's the first time I've seen Pat Sertan get absolutely, he was just spun around and didn't know where he was going. And Devontae Adams didn't have anyone within 20 yards of him when he caught that touchdown pass. But the thing that got me about this is that it was, I, I could see it coming. I could see it coming. And when the Broncos kicked a field goal with uh, whatever it was, three minutes to go in the game, 3.30 to go in the game, to go up 16-13, 16 points again. I was like, I, I can't believe we're scoring 16 again. For the Broncos to score two touchdowns is, it's like pulling teeth. 
<laughs> really is. I, I don't remember the last time the Broncos scored two touchdowns in a game. I, I can't remember. I think it was the previous game against the Raiders where they managed to actually score 20 points for the first time. For the it, first was, it time. Not, was it not against the Jags when you were there? Oh, do you know what? You're, you're absolutely right, Dave. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it was in London. I just had that memory. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they, they scored 21 points in that game. But like, also, the, the other thing as well, though, that I did pick up on, the Broncos have gone to overtime three times this year and lost every single game. Lost every one of them. Every one of them. That it, it's it's not acceptable. It's it's just it stinks of lack of competency. Well, it's, see, there was a couple of plays. So, for example, Corton Sutton had a terrible drop. The ball hit him. Yes, right I saw hands. that. Yeah, Kendall Hinton, Hall of Famer Kendall Hinton, had a terrible drop where it hit him in the hands and the chest, and he dropped it. Now. That's not on Russell Wilson. That's on the receivers. Yeah. But then there was plays where Russell Wilson was missing wide open receivers. Then there was play calls that weren't the right calls. And you're just going, it's, it's small things. And you, it's difficult to say you, we lost the game because of this one play. Now, sometimes you can say that. This wasn't one play. This was four or five select plays lost the Bronx this game. And at the moment, the Seahawks have a top five pick in next year's draft because we <laughs> traded the one of our picks our first round pick this year uh, sorry this year coming up for Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson has done nothing and I'm not seeing anything from Russell Wilson that makes me think he's going to be any better I've stuck by him because I've watched this guy we've all watched Russell Wilson for 10 years throwing bombs and you know torching secondaries and escaping the rush and scrambling it, running for first downs on third and long. How many times have we all seen Russell Wilson do that? And it yep. makes you want to pull you to hear it. Dave, obviously being a, a Rams fan, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Russell Wilson is one of the most frustrating players to play against. Yeah, twice so a year for the past decade. Yeah, for, for an entire year. Uh, sorry, an entire decade, I beg your pardon, twice a year the Rams played him for an entire decade and he was always just, you know, insanely good at what he does. For some reason, this year, he can't do it. And, and, I, and I, I refuse to believe, I refuse to believe that Pete Carroll is that good of a coach that he was coaching Russell Wilson to look better than he is. I, and I don't, that's, there's no way. I mean, the, the, the whole Geno Smith thing, maybe that is the case. I don't know. <laughs> it's, I, I don't know. But I don't, I don't think so. I really don't think so. And I just watch this team and every week it seems I'm disappointed. And I'm not sure if I should be disappointed anymore because what are my expectations at this point? <laughs> yeah, let me, I'm going you know, I'm, I'm, I'm to stop you before you get so worked up you hurt yourself. You know, because, you know, if you go back at the look back at Amari Cooper again, would you ever have believed? Do you think that Amari Cooper was crap when he was with Dallas? Do you think he was terrible? Do you think he was a terrible player when he was with Dallas? No, no he wasn't. He was, still, he was still a fantastic receiver, but there wasn't the there wasn't the relationship there. If Russell Wilson's not happy where he is, he's not going to play well. I don't care how good he is. He just won't. He just won't. If his heart's not in it, he won't play well. You know, yes, but the thing is that he should be happy where he is because he he according to Russell Wilson, he got out of the bad situation that he was in. Yeah, sometimes According we just, to him, he's out of the bad situation. He's now in a good place, and oh, he's happy about everything. Well, if you are Russell, then then where's the where's the I don't, I don't believe. You. I think he's lying. 
<laughs> he's got he's got more bathrooms now. He should be happy. Well, I mean, I mean that. I mean that is you know that's what makes people happy having lots of bathrooms. You don't need to go well, the, far the, to find one. The jokes about the number of toilets and how crappy he's playing—they're writing themselves as we speak. You know, it's going to be at the end of the season. There's going to be so many jokes about toilets and crap. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. See, I mean, just just just, just before we move on, and I apologize if, I, if I'm going on here, guys. You know, I, I really I really do. But the Broncos played ten games. Russell Wilson has thrown seven touchdowns. In ten games, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you the points totals for those the Broncos ten games: 16, 16, 11, 23, That was a game against the Raiders. Nine, sixteen, twenty-one against the Jaguars. Ten and sixteen. That is pathetic. It's it's <laughs> absolutely pathetic. The Broncos have the worst offense in the entire league. The worst offense in the entire league. Who saw that in preseason? We've caught Melvin Gordon. He fumbled again inside the five. Again. Now, I I can blame Melvin Gordon for maybe two of the losses the Bronx have had this year. Two of them went on Melvin Gordon. The other five, Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson. There you are. They cut Melvin Gordon, and I'm saying, you, you cut Melvin Gordon because he fumbled? Okay, whatever that. Why is Nathaniel Hackett still there? Why is he I, I, Yeah, why is he still there? He should be fine in week one. Week one. It's, it's, we're coming into week 12 now, and Nathaniel Hackett is still there. I don't know what George Payton or, uh, you know, the, the people who own Walmart, the Waltons, whatever they're called, I don't know what, what they're seeing. I don't know who it is. Who, who owns Walmart? I think it is Waltons. It is the Waltons. I know, I just said I it like the Waltons. Not, not the Waltons. Good, good night, John Boy. Good night, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's good night, Vienna, is what it is, because this Broncos team is absolutely appalling. We're playing the Panthers, the Carolina Panthers, next week. Or this week, I should say. I don't see the Broncos winning this game. And this is a Panthers team. They're rubbish. The Panthers are terrible. But it's entirely possible that the Broncos will hold them to six points and lose this game. That, that, that's Ian, when we come to, I'm going to make a prediction that's going to that's going to swell your heart with hope. And when we come to that section of the show, so just wait for it. Maybe I should do that. Anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I apologize for going on there. Um, <laughs> let's. We've only got a couple, a couple more games to cover, so let's do that quickly. <laughs> uh, we moved to Akershire Stadium. Terrible name. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati Bengals, 66,401 fans. Watch the Bengals squeak out a 37-30 victory over the Steelers to move to 6-4. and four. Uh, Tim, let's put it to you first. What did you make of this game with the Bengals and the Steelers? Yeah, that was a decent game. Lots of lots of action in the passing game. Joe Burrow having another, um, another decent game. Four touchdowns and his obligatory two interceptions to offset that. Um, still gets a rating of 104 somehow, but uh, he's in my fantasy team, so I'm happy. Um, and yeah, it, it was a good game to watch. Lots, lots of touchdowns, lots of excitement. You know, um, in terms of the two teams, it probably shouldn't have been that close. If you're if you're a Bengals fan, it should have been it should have been a lot a lot wider uh, gap between a, a, a well a five and four and a, a three and six team. Should maybe a a bit easier win, but it was a good game to watch. Good game for neutrals. Um, like I said, lots of action, lots of scoring, lots of lots of passing, which is what the fans like. So. Um, and there's some, there's some real talent on both sides of this as well. You know, you look on the, I mean, Joe Mixon, who absolutely destroyed the week before, 
um, held to 40 yards, uh, sorry, big pardon, um, held to a lot fewer yards than had before, 20 yards rushing, and then uh, 40 yards receiving. So he just, it, it's, you know, it's really, um, you just don't know. I mean, the injuries come in and things happen, and uh, players that you think are going to absolutely destroy it don't. But there's a lot of talent. There's actually a lot of talent on both, on both sides of this game, and uh, it was a good game for news. It was an enjoyable game to watch. I caught the highlights, but um, but even that was quite, you know, quite sort of full-on action all, all the way, so it was good. It was a very good game, very entertaining to watch, particularly from a neutral standpoint. Uh, Dave, what did you make of this one? It was it was backwards and forwards quite a bit. Backwards and forwards, and um, it's I, I mean it was really close. Well, the, the Steelers were leading going into half time as well. I think they were 20, 20 points to seventeen up, but uh, the the Bengals kind of woke up for the second half and really kind of kicked into gear. Kenny Pickett managed not to throw an interception, which I thought was quite rare, but he had some bad incompletions as well. Um, Najee Harris doing Najee Harris things, averaging four and a half yards per carry, which is quite a lot for Najee Harris. Uh, 20 carries for 90 yards, but he did get two touchdowns as well. Uh, Kenny Pickett stayed in the pocket uh, a lot more, and he, he threw 42 times. 265 yards and a touchdown. But I think, if I remember rightly, the highlight of the game was probably George Pickens, who made an amazing catch uh, just at a really right, vital time. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, if it, 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 yeah, it was a backwards game. Great game for the neutral, but um, yeah, I, I think the Steelers. I mean, I mean, I, I said at the start of the year, I was worried that Mike Tomlin, you know, is kind of winning records. Um, would be seriously under threat this year, and turns out I was right. But there's a, there's a, there is a lot more calls for Mitch Trubisky to come back in, even though I think Kenny Pickett's starting Definitely to pick here. up a little bit. Mm, yes. Yeah, yeah, well, okay, for fifty percent of us uh, is calling for Mitch to come back in, but uh, Joe Burrows, but he was competent enough up until well, the two picks that were pretty bad, but twenty four thirty nine. I think it was only the, the yardage that really picked up his rating there. Um, he kept going to T. Higgins over and over. Nine receptions for 148 yards, but it was the their kind of second choice running back Perrine who managed to get three receptions, um, four receptions for 52 yards, three touchdowns, and he got more carries than Joe Mixon as well, which I was quite surprised at. So he 11 carries, but only for 30 yards, and uh, like Tim said, Mixon was held to 20 yards. So. The Bengals were, I think the scoreline flattered them. I think Joe Burrow got the big plays and the big throws out um, in what he should be doing. But there were times when I think a better defense would have kind of ripped apart that Bengals and could have put up 40, 50 points on them. So, yeah, I mean, the Bengals are 6-4 and four now um, in a competitive uh, division. But I think the Steelers kind of flattered them a little bit uh, with, uh, you know, letting 37 points through. But... Yeah, I mean they, they're they're kicking on. They've got a winning record. They could be out. Well, I mean they're on the on track for the playoffs. I think at this point, but um, yeah, it's an interesting division. I think the Bengals will still kind of keep marching on, but they, there's a lot of competition there. It certainly is. And speaking of competition, we're going to go over to the NFC where the Minnesota Vikings went to the, <laughs> against the Dallas Cowboys and U.S. Bank oh, Stadium. They were Minnesota playing. Uh, oh. Well, wait, wait, just wait for it. <laughs> 65,304 fans at US Bank Stadium watched the 8 and 1 Vikings take on the 6 and 3 Dallas Cowboys and just basically forget to play. Um, yeah. Kirk Cousins' uh, touchdown consecutive uh, game touchdown streak ended at 39 as the Dallas Cowboys 
absolutely blew the doors off the Vikings. I know Tim likes this one. 40-3. This was arguably the biggest shock. Not so much the result, but the scoreline, I think, of the season. I don't think anyone saw this score coming. Um, Dave, I'll put it to you first, and then we'll let Tim wax lyrical for a while. Um, interesting game. Good game. Not if you're a Vikings fan. I mean, this is the Kirk Cousins I I enjoy seeing uh, because he, he's just you know the, these one year huge contracts that he's got. Uh, it's just yeah, this this is why the Vikings should keep doing that if they really want him as quarterback. But the Cowboys were just unstoppable. I mean, um, I, I think Pollard. I I really like him as a running back. I think he's better. He's been better than Zeke. Uh, this year, I, uh, I know Zeke got two touchdowns in this game, but Dak Prescott was really good. Uh, 22-25, 276 yards, two touchdowns. Cooper Rush came in for a few plays as well, 4-5 for 31 yards, just give him a little bit of a run out. Uh, CeeDee Lamb was really competent as well. Michael Gallup got a few receptions. I mean, Deke, uh, Deke uh, a mixture of Deke and Zeke there. Um, Dak Prescott got... Yeah, he's uh, having a big me there, I know. Yeah, well, it's, you know, sometimes things are infectious. Uh, sadly, between the Rams and the Broncos, I think that's also the case uh, this year. <laughs> but, um, yeah, D- uh, Dak was throwing it all over the show. I, I mean, it, he threw it, I think, at nine, ten different people, uh, ten, ten different receivers uh, during the game, and... He completed them all. I mean, not always for positive yards, but he completed them all. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, when you're when you're throwing, when your completion rate is in the high eighties, that that's all. You're always going to have a good game. Um, Tony Pollard got uh, fifteen carries for eighty yards and then six receptions for hundred nine yards, giving him NFC Offensive Player of the Week, which was very well deserved. But I mean, Micah Parsons, who we couldn't remember last last week. Two sacks this week. Uh, you also had Doran uh, Armstrong Jr. Uh, two sacks. Um, J1 Curse, who I really like uh, as a Cowboy safety, uh, also getting a sack. And I think the former Ram as well, Dante Fowler, got a sack. And of, of, course, of course, Demarcus Lawrence gets in on it as well with a sack. So seven sacks for the Cowboys. Um, I think the only thing missing from their defense was a, a pick. So... Yeah, how dare they not get a pick? Um, but yeah, I mean, 458 yards total offense, third down efficiency with 12 of 17 compared to the Vikings, one of 11. It's just ridiculous in itself. And the Cowboys only needed to punt two times in the game, so this was just unreal. And it was the you know, power football from the Cowboys, they ran the ball effectively, they kept the Vikings off the field. Vikings are a run first offense. Davin Cook did, he was the only kind of bright spot for the Vikings, 11 carries for 72 yards. But apart from that, it's, like, it's very slim pickings. Justin Jefferson, three receptions, and he was kept quiet for the majority of the game. Adam Thielen only got two receptions. Uh, Jalen Rager, one reception. It's a, a poor, a poor, poor game from the Vikings. And, I mean, their defense just couldn't do anything. Their offense just couldn't do anything. I don't know if it flatters the Cowboys or the Cowboys just played amazing but the Vikings do not look like an eight and two team. That was more like a two and eight team rather than eight and two. So Cowboys march on. They're keeping. They're just hanging on to the Eagles' coattails, and it's going to be an interesting run in in that division. Yes, indeed, Tim. What do you reckon? Um, I think uh, Dallas obviously played well. 
you know, Dak Prescott, we've been, we've been waiting for that sort of, um, if you remember when Dak Prescott first, first started his first 150 passes, I think he had zero interceptions, something like that, 153, something like that. It was, it was like the longest stretch for a rookie to have zero interceptions in, in NFL history. And we, we've been waiting for that Dak to come back. And uh, he was 22, 25, 276 yards, average 11, 11 yards per, uh, per completion. You know, so you just think that's unbelievable performance. You know, and, and I mean, who could have predicted Dallas was going to win? Almost everyone did, but um, but very few predicted it'd be a thirty-seven point blowout. Um, the Vikings, if, I, if I'm correct, the Vikings still haven't beaten a team with a winning record, um, and that should have been the. And see, normally that's Dallas. Normally that's Dallas, sort of flattering to to deceive and uh, and getting caught up by a, a team that really is um, is wanting to push on. I, I think Dallas had a, a bit of a word with themselves after the Green Bay game and thought, right, this that that you know losing like that sucks. Um, and so they decided not to do it again, at least for a, for a game or so, to to give me a break, my heart to to stop breaking for the early games of the season. Um, Tony Pollard, absolutely, you know. And I was I've been on the Tony Pollard bandwagon since last year. I thought Zeke was really not the same player he used to be. He got too tied up with the contract discussions, got too um, obsessed with how what's in it for me, how much am I getting? Especially since his performance has dropped off every single year since his rookie season. Um, and so you think, well, you're arguing for more money where you're, where you're giving less output. So where, where's your where's your standing for that? You know, but having having said that, I watched Tony Pollard absolutely destroy the Vikings. Like I said, uh, two touchdowns in the air on, on, on reception, six receptions, for 109 yards. But then the two that Zeke punched in, Zeke did there what Tony Pollard doesn't or can't do, which is take it from two yards out and just smash into people and bounce off them and go in the end zone anyway. Um, Tony Pollard is a smaller runner. He's fast as anything. But he is smaller, so it's hard, it's harder for him to to take that sort of um, uh, smash mouth football, you know, just sort of grab by the scruff of the neck and, and run it. So I'm kind of I'm kind of coming around to um, to having Zeke and Tony Pollard there together. Um, although I think for the money that Zeke is making, you would expect more, you know. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Uh, well, and if if uh, if OBJ comes on board after Thanksgiving, as as they suspect he is, I think Dallas will be a, a bit of a force to reckon with, really. They might indeed. Uh, that would certainly be a, another another arrow in the quiver there for Dak Prescott. So then we're going to move on to the Sunday night game with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers. This is a back-forwards affair. And my goodness, guys, I'll tell you what, SoFi Stadium, 70,240 people watched Justin Herbert throw a six-yard pass to George Palmer to put the Colts up 27-23, but they did leave one minute and 40 seconds left on the clock. And as we all know, that's far too much time for Patrick Mahomes, who immediately marched the Chiefs down the field and threw his third touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey, Mahomes' fourth of the day, to uh, give them a 30-27 to victory over the Chargers. I have just run out once again of things to say about Patrick Mahomes. He's by far and away the best quarterback in the league, and um, probably the best that I've seen since Peyton Manning in his prime, he may be the best that I've ever seen play this game. It's absolutely ridiculous. So, um, Tim, we'll put it to you first. Chiefs, Chargers, what did you think? I think you've said you've hit the nail right on the right on his uh, on the nail little head there. Um, Patrick Mahomes, he's a winner. That's that's the difference. And you, and it's not something you can teach. It's not something that you can uh, sort of instruct or train somebody into. You can't coach him into it. He's just a winner, and he just finds ways to win. And you know, he's—I don't think he's anywhere near the sort of uh, legacy player that Tom Brady is. But he has that same mentality of, well, this this game is mine. I'm going to win it, you know, and I'm going to whatever whatever it takes. I'm going to find the players to help me to get on that field and win the game. And you could you could have left him forty seconds; he probably would have done it, you know. 
Um, he's just he's just unstoppable when he's when he puts his mind to it. You know, um, the Chiefs are eight and two for a reason. You know, the Chargers are no bad team, and you know, you look at Justin Herbert's figures, and you know, twenty three or thirty for two hundred eighty yards, um, a couple a couple touchdowns, one interception. He got sacked a few more times. I'm sure you would like to, uh, but a, a competent performance for him. And the rushing game was okay. I mean, it was not it was not great from the Chargers, but it was okay. Um, you know, they averaged three point eight yards per carry, but but still amassed one hundred fifteen yards overall. Um, you know, a great game that was a team between two very good teams. But if it, in a game like that, if it comes down to it, you always expect the Chiefs to come out on top. And my goodness, would somebody please do something about Travis Kelsey? Honestly, <laughs> could somebody please just stop this man? He's, he, he's infuriating. He just, you know, and he's not on my fantasy team. It's the most infuriating thing yeah, about that, him. That's why you're seeing that. Because if he was in your fantasy team, you'd be like, please continue what you're it. doing. Continue what you're doing. I I don't know why, for some reason, in the red zone, teams seem to lose Travis Kelsey. I I, I, I no I. You all know what Patrick Mahomes is going to throw the ball. He really is, and he's not a small guy. He's not. It's like he sneaks past you. Travis Kelsey's a he's a tight end. You know, he's a he's a good sized guy. You know, so um, it's bizarre. But somehow every time he manages to get open, and he's, he's a great player. I'm taking nothing away from him whatsoever. Fantastic player. Um, but yeah, he just seems to he just seems to go invisible in the end zone. Yeah, he certainly does. Um, Dave, what did you think of this one? I mean, he, Patrick Holmes is—he uh, just does Patrick Mahomes things, and he did it again here. He had a lot of incompletions, I noticed though as well in the game. Um, yeah, yeah he, it was—he was twenty or thirty-four, but he had a few big plays that kind of bumped up his yardage to three hundred twenty-nine yards. But he, he didn't throw the ball away. Um, I do—I do, I do want to highlight though uh, Isaiah Pacheco who has really kind of beaten out Edwards Hilaire for that kind of running back spot, first choice running back. And there's uh, rumors that the Chiefs might actually let Edwards Hilaire go um, and they just kind of have uh, Jarek McKinnon as their second choice running back because Edwards Hilaire was just non-existent in this game. And there's a few questions a few weeks ago about Pacheco taking over. And I'm starting to think that they might kind of be uh, becoming true. So that might be the only casualty of, of this game. But yeah, just like Tim was saying, Travis Kelsey is just immense. I mean, he, he 115 yards in the entire game, three touchdowns, six receptions. Um, they they didn't have Juju in this game. They didn't have McCole Hardman. It, it didn't make much difference, did it? it they, they threw to Skylar Moore, it, five, five receptions, 63 yards. Uh, they had a couple wide receivers that I've never even heard of. Uh, Justin Watson. Um, got three receptions for 67 yards. You also had Jordy Fortson, who I have no idea who he is. He was an undrafted free agent, and yet he comes in two receptions for 51 yards as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the speaking of fantasy, a lot of fantasy owners were putting in Kandarius Tony into their fancy team, and he ended up getting zero receptions in the entire <laughs> game. So that that went really well. Um, I think there was a a, a lot of kind of. Um, memories of Cam Akers at the start of the year. A lot of people drafted Cam Akers in the fantasy, and that hasn't gone to plan either, which hurts me quite a lot. But um, yeah, the the I mean, Herbert was down on the ground a lot. I mean, it was something like five or six sacks um, from what I saw. I think there were there was a fumble on each side as well. But um, yeah, I, I think just Patrick Mahomes was just immense. Uh, the Chargers did well to limit him and cause a good few incompletions. But yeah, 
the the Chargers don't look like a five and five team. They should be doing a lot better. I think it hurt them in in the middle of the season when or so, middle of the season so far when Herbert got injured and they they kind of risked the rest of our season uh, playing him. He's starting to come back a bit better now. But Chiefs, uh, I I put them as number one in the AFC now. Uh, I, I I think the Bills have slipped back. The Chiefs, they're they're out on their own. Mahomes is on his own. I think he's pro- he's quite possible. You know, we, we talk about Tom Brady with longevity or, or well, we don't. We we hate talking about Tom Brady, but we talk about uh, <laughs> a lot of people talk about Tom Brady's longevity and uh, Tom Brady, you know, being the the GOAT and whatnot. I, I think we've got a new one coming in right here and I, I think it's very hard to dispute it. So big up Patrick Mahomes and like just like Tim was saying as well on Kelsey. I mean, his brother is the center for the Eagles and arguably one of the best centers in the league. So... I mean, there's something in the Kelsey genes, um, and I think Patrick Mahomes is taking full advantage of the Kelsey genes and, yeah, racking up his team win after win after win. So, well done for Mahomes, and, yeah, the Chiefs march on. They certainly do. Now, you mentioned Clyde edwards Elaine. He's actually just been uh, placed on uh, injured reserve. Got a high uh, ankle sprain. He's out for a minimum of four weeks. So that's a, mm-hmm. that is still a bit of a blow. But um, you mentioned Justin Herbert there, now. Justin Herbert's one of the most frustrating players. He made a couple of throws that were absolutely incredible in this game. And he does mm-hmm. this seemingly every week. He'll make one or two amazing plays. Just doesn't have the consistency. And you, yeah. again, going back to Patrick Mahomes, usually when we talk about quarterbacks and good quarterbacks and, and great quarterbacks, they say, you know, all they need is like just one or two weapons. And that's it. It seems as Patrick Mahomes... I honestly believe that if if he lost Travis Kelsey tomorrow, that he wouldn't miss a beat. It doesn't matter who his receivers are. The man is just on another planet. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I think it just yeah. helps. It helps that it's Kelsey. No, it helps. It really, it. <laughs> really, it really helps that it's Kelsey. It certainly does. Uh, so we move on to the final game. It's a Monday night game. And we're going down south, south of the border, down Mexico Way, where the San Francisco 49ers are taking on the Arizona Cardinals in front of 78,427 fans. And the 49ers absolutely beat the hell out of the Cardinals um, and we're talking about Travis Kelsey. George Kittle had two touchdown receptions in this one. And his second one, his 32-yard catch that he had in the fourth quarter of this game, it it looked, when he caught the ball, you thought this is going to be a five-yard gain and he's going out of bounds. And for some reason, the Cardinals just didn't tackle him. It's not like they tried to. They didn't try. They just didn't tackle him at all. And he went 32 yards for a score. This was an absolute beatdown by the 49ers over the Cardinals. Uh, Dave, we'll put it to you first. What did you make of this one? The 49ers offense is really starting to click now. And Jimmy G looks not bad. And I don't just mean the way he actually looks. I mean, it was there was I saw something on Twitter pre-game uh, where they were showing the players coming into the stadium, and Jimmy G comes in looking absolute dapper and just absolutely on point. And then they they zoom the camera out, and uh, they you know they they put the camera on to um, Colt McCoy, who's in like what can only be described as a scraggy shirt and looking red in the face and just looking horrific. Like he's just be he's been to the gym and he's just done a two hour workout, but uh, Jimmy G's looking in like a kind of Milan model. So I think that that set the tone for the entire game. But um, 
what the forty nine Kittle's been really quiet this year. He's he's not had a lot of targets, and when he's been getting the ball, he hasn't had that massive gains. I mean, against the Rams, I'd rather not talk about that. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, and yet it you was, did. <laughs> yes, well, I somehow I did bring it back to that. But uh, oh, my dog is ridiculously barking because she wants me to shut up about the Rams at this point. But um, <laughs> it's not the only one. Just well, well, <laughs> thanks for that. But um, Greg, Greg Kittle, what happened in the, in the Kittle touchdown is that um, what Greg Kittle, what, what the defensive backs for the Cardinals did was that um, they kind of ran into each other and then just cleared the path for Kittle. So um, that was pretty, you know, if you're going to lose a game, you do it in style. But um, that, that's what they did. They threw to Christian McCaffrey seven times and he only had seven rushing yards as well. So Debo t- kind of turned up with a, a couple big runs as well uh, in that game. Uh, the the defense was on point as you kind of expect now with the 49ers with the no injuries now. Ugh, I, I hate the 49ers. It's just, they're just uh, I hate them. Um, I, I think yeah, I think we uh, might put Debo out of his misery here. <laughs> just please just, please do <laughs> just take take me out back into Arizona and. You know, just uh, put, the the Cardinals are as bad as the Rams right now. So apart from that, yeah, just the 49ers right. march on, and they're going to win the NFC West. Uh, Tim, what do you think? Well, listen, uh, but they're six and four, which is which is fairly shocking. They're rushing uh, sort of a contingent consists of Elijah Mitchell, Chris McCaffrey, Debo Samuel. Um, you know, and then on the receiving, you got George Kittle, Chris McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brendan Ayuk. It's like no wonder they're winning thirty to ten. Look at them, you know. Um, I mean, the only thing that the only thing Arizona has is a quarterback with a cooler name, Colt McCoy. You know, if this guy, if they make a film of his life, he's being played by Owen Wilson. You know, he is. You know, or or, or Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> something like that. You know, he's Colt McCoy. He he should be winning games, and he's terrible. Um, but having said that, you know, you look at the the comparison on receiving Arizona, two hundred seventy seven yards receiving. Um, Greg Dortch, nine of ten, uh, nine receptions out of ten targets. DeAndre Hopkins, nine out of twelve. AJ Green, five out of nine. Trey McBride, four out of four. You know, they were they were making they were completing passes. They were doing well. So what's the difference? Uh rushing yards, Arizona sixty-seven, San Francisco 159. And that's the difference. Like you said, you can't you can't win games, you can't move the ball on the ground. It, or at least if you can't make teams afraid that you're gonna be able to move the ball on the ground, you can't win games. You know? um so Arizona, they've got they've got some talents about clearly, but um they're they're no match for the 49ers. And I think you're right. The 49ers want to go on to win their division. There will be a they'll be certainly primed for a, a deep playoff run, I think. And that wraps up our Week 11 recap. Thank you very much for that one, gentlemen. So coming up, we're going to have a Week 12 rapid-fire preview and, of course, random stats. Um, And we will catch you shortly after this. Welcome back to the WinFL Show. I'm Ian McKinnon. I'm here with Dave Somerville and Tim Durbin. And we're doing a rapid-fire Week 12 preview. And we start, of course... With Thanksgiving, and we've got the afternoon game between the Buffalo Bills at the Detroit Lions. I've got the Lions upsetting the Bills in this one. I've got a very, um, I've got it going into overtime, twenty to seventeen to the Lions. Dave, um, I'm going to disagree. I, I think the the Bills are going to win this. Uh, I, I I just think it's going to be what margin it's going to be. Uh, I, I've got the Bills winning thirty points to twenty four. I think um, that your Allen's just going to be too good, and if you're comparing quarterbacks, Allen's going to absolutely romp this because I have no faith in Jared Goff whatsoever. So I think the Lions will get a few rushing touchdowns, but not enough. 
can't think why you don't have any faith in Jared Goff. <laughs> um, Tim, can you give us a prediction for this one? Bills, Lions. The Bills, 24 to 14. We then move on to the New York Giants at the Dallas Cowboys. Don't worry, Tim, I'm picking you boys to win this one. I just don't see the Giants doing it. I think they lose another game, and I've got the Cowboys winning it fairly convincingly, 24 to 16. I think it's going to be a bit of a close one, actually. I have faith that the Giants will hold the Cowboys on offense a bit more. So uh, I've, I've gone for a Cowboys win. But I think it's actually going to be a bit of a low-scoring one. I think it's going to be 21 points to 17 to the Cowboys. Yeah, I think I think Cowboys will. will I think they'll continue their their scoring trend from from last game. Of course, I would think that. Uh, 31 17 Cowboys. We then have the New England Patriots at the Minnesota Vikings in the last of the Thanksgiving games, and the Patriots going into Minnesota. I've got them coming out with a win. Another low-scoring affair. I've got the Patriots winning this one, 14 to 10. We're thinking along the same lines. I think it's also going to be a low-scoring one, but I think the Vikings are going to get it. I think it's going to go to overtime. I'm going to go for a 13-13 in normal time with the Vikings taking taking a field goal to make it 16-13. I, I agree with you, and I think the Patriots will take this one. Um, I think the, the true class will show out. Uh, low-scoring again, I think 17-10. Pats. We then have the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday going uh, into Washington to take on the Commanders. And I think the Falcons do it again. I think they'll get another win. Uh, I've got this one a much higher scoring game because I don't think either defense is particularly good. And I've got this one as 31-28 to the Falcons. I think it's going to be quite a low scoring game. I've got got it as 20 points to 18 for the Commanders. So I, I think the Commanders are going to come away with the win here. They are favorites. And I, like like we've said before, I have no faith in Mariota, so I'm going to go for a Commanders win. Uh, I'm I'm with uh, I'm with Dave on this. I think Commanders get a win, but uh, 24-21, close game. But Commanders come out on top. We then have the Chicago Bears at the New York Jets, and I think the Bears uh, hand the Jets another loss. I think Justin Fields gets back on track in this one, and I've got this one by a score of 27 to 20 to the Bears. Well, I think I think the Bears are going to win. I think it's going to be a much higher score. I'm going to go for 34 points to 17 for the Bears. Okay, I think the Bears are going to win. Not quite as high scoring as that, possibly, but uh, 27 to 10 Bears. We then have the Cincinnati Bengals at the Tennessee Titans, and I think the Bengals will actually win this one over the Titans in Tennessee. I've got them winning this one by a score of 28 to 24. Ooh, I think the Titans are going to squeeze out a victory here. I think the Titans are going to go 24-21 win. I think Burrows is going to throw another two interceptions. Uh, he might well do that, but I think they'll win anyway. Uh, I think Bengals win this. <laughs> I, I probably would have said the same thing as Ian, but I'll, I'll go with something different just to be different. Uh, Bengals 31-28. We then have the Denver Broncos at the Carolina Panthers, and I've got absolutely no idea what's going to happen in this game. So I'm going to say it's going to be a 16-all tie. <laughs> <laughs> Just because the Broncos always score 16. Yeah, well, I I have faith in the Broncos, but I don't think they're going to score 18 points. So I think that it's going to be 16 16 points for the Panthers, but 17 points for the Broncos. Why do you have faith in the Broncos? I I mean, I I have even little more more faith in the Panthers than the Broncos. So I think the Broncos are going to squeeze out a win. Ian, uh, honestly, I'm sure of this. I'm so certain. Russell Wilson is finally going to find a way to do something right. And I think they're actually going to score 24 points this night. 24. 
24-20 to the Broncos. Oh my I th- word. I thought I thought you were going to go along. He's going to do something right, but the Panthers are still going to win. I thought <laughs> that's a line you were going to go. That might happen, but I'm not calling it. That might <laughs> happen. Uh, we then have the Houston Texans after Miami Dolphins. I can't see any way the Texans are winning this one with Kyle Allen at quarterback. I think two us just going to... Uh, t- <clears throat> excuse me. I think Tua is just going to continue uh, when he left off, and I've got the Dolphins winning a high-scoring one here against the Texans. I've got it 35-10. to 10. Well, the Dolphins are getting 13.5-point head start on the betting line, and I don't blame them. I think that's even been kind to the Texans, so I'm going to go for a 42 points to 13 win for the Dolphins. Ooh, I think the Finns cover the spread at uh, 31-10. We then have the Jacksonville Jaguars at home to the Baltimore Ravens. I think this is actually going to be a lot closer than many people think it's going to be. And I've got the Ravens sneaking a 17-16 win. Well, we're along the same lines. But I think the Jaguars come away with it. I, I think the Jaguars are going to win by 20 points to 19. I think it's going to be a bit of a field goal fiasco. Uh, and I think the Ravens are just going to fall short again. They, they might take the lead, but I think... I don't have faith in, in uh, Trevor Lawrence quite yet, but um, players like Travis Etienne and Christian Kirk are going to get it done for the Jaggers. I think the Ravens get a win here. They're 7-3 they're for a reason, so I think the Ravens win here uh, 2014. We then have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Cleveland Browns, and Dave, we picked this as upset of the week. We've got the Cleveland Browns winning this one. J- Jacoby Brissett's likely his last game starting for the Browns this season, obviously barring any injuries uh, to Deshaun Watson when he comes back uh, the following week. And I think that Jac- Jacoby Brissett is going to put on a clinic against Tampa Bay, and he's going to out-duel Tom Brady, and I've got this as a high-scoring 30-24 to 24 win for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, we did pick this, and I, I think I went for a much lower score than that. I guess 17-13 uh, I picked, or something along those lines. Uh, the, the only reason is because I, I still think the Bucks have a lot of trouble um, on offense, even though they've you know they've won their last two games, pretty, pretty much scraped uh, the last two wins against the Rams and the Seahawks. Uh, the Browns offer a different challenge, and I think Denzel Ward is going to pick off Tom Brady um, I think still think it's hilarious that Tom Brady was one short of 400 throws without an interception before falling at 399 um, in the last game. That was game. quite so, funny, yes. Yes, yeah, so Browns to win. Uh, I think Tom Brady does Tom Brady things and they win uh, 24-17. Boo. I know, I hate it. So we then have the Las Vegas Raiders at the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I think the Raiders will go back to what they were because they're not playing the Broncos and the Seahawks will win. Um, And I've got the Seahawks actually winning this one by 17 to 13. Ooh, very, very similar. But I've got the the score going the other way. I think the Raiders are going to win by 17 points to 14. And I think just throwing to Devontae Adams is going to win them the game. I think the uh, I think the Seahawks are going to win this by 17 points. <laughs> uh, 31-14 Seahawks. <laughs> Quite right. Uh, we then have the Los Angeles Chargers at the Arizona Cardinals. I think Justin Herbert finally gets things together. I don't trust this Cardinals team at all. I don't trust Cliff Kingsbury. And uh, I, I have no idea if Kyler Murray will be finished playing Call of Duty by the time this game rolls around. So um, I've got <laughs> the Chargers winning this one by a score of 27 to 19. 
Ooh, again, very close. I've also got 27 for the Chargers, but I've got 21 for the Cardinals. I think they're just going to fall short. And yeah, Kyler's probably not going to be back for this game. And you won't believe it, but I have 27-20 Chargers. So, <laughs> so we're covering with one of us here. Surely one of us will get bang on you. One of us has to. Uh, we then have the New Orleans Saints at the San Francisco 49ers. And I think this 49ers team is just going to keep on clicking. If anything, I think it'll be better than ever. And I can't see any way this, they lose, lose this game, unfortunately. Um, so I've got the 49ers winning this one by a score of 31-20. to 20. Again, quite similar. I've also got 31 for 49ers, but I've got 27 for the Saints. I think it's going to be a close game, uh, closer than a lot of people expect, because 49ers are one of the most inconsistent teams in the league. They either turn up and look like they're on the way to the Super Bowl, or they just do what they did against the Panthers and are absolutely shocking. So I think they're going to scrape the win against uh, a very injury-hit New Orleans Saints. I like uh, I like Andy Dalton an awful lot with the Saints. Um, I think the 49ers will probably win it, but it'll be close, uh, say 20 to 17. Then have the Los Angeles Rams at the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm sorry, Dave. I'm sorry. I just don't see any way the Rams even come close in this game. In Arrowhead, I've got the Chiefs winning this one by a score of 38 to 17. Well. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go one step further. The be the betting line is ranging at this point. It, you can get either a 14-point head start for the Chiefs all the way up to an 18-point head start for Oof. the Chiefs. And it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm picking the Chiefs to actually cover that because I've got the Chiefs winning by 42 points to nine. I don't know. What kind of team runs up 40 points just to prove they can? Who would do that? I wouldn't predict that at all. <laughs> I say uh, probably uh, 37 out of 37 10 Chiefs. We then come to the Green Bay Packers and Sunday night game at the Philadelphia Eagles. And you know what, guys? I think Aaron Rodgers has a comeback game in this one. And I think the Packers actually come away with a win at Philadelphia. Another upset. Um, and I've got the Packers scraping it 20 to 17. Me a lot more points in this than a lot of people are expecting. I think it's going to be uh, another very close game, and I think the Eagles are just going to scrape it. 27 24, I've got with uh, Jalen Hurts running in for a touchdown with about three minutes to go. That sounds exactly that sounds about right, but uh, this is one of those games where the ideal outcome is that the stadium collapses and just both neither team can win. Um, <laughs> but that's when it can happen. So uh, I'm going to be very optimistic and go with Ian and say the Packers are going to win, say uh, 20 to 17. Then finally, in the Monday night game, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Indianapolis Colts. And I've got the Steelers coming away with an overtime victory. A 17-14 to to the Steelers. Oh, well, I've also got overtime. Uh, but I think it's going to be 20, 20 points apiece. And then uh, Taylor to have a walk-off uh, rushing touchdown to make it 26-20 to the Colts. I think the Colts will win in, in uh, regular time. I don't think they'll need overtime. It'll be close, but I think um, probably 24-20 to the Colts. And that wraps up our Week 12 Rapid Fire Preview. So, gentlemen, we only have time for one more segment, and we all know what it is. So, Tim, would you like to do the honours for our final segment? Random stats. Yeah. <laughs> it is indeed random stats. So, uh, Dave, would you like to go first for random stats? Yeah. Yeah, I'll go first. So, we talked a lot already about quarterbacks, and we've had a few quarterback casualties um, this week, especially. Excuse me. So... 
We've talked a lot about Zach Wilson already, but my random stat is about Zach Wilson. And I want to make a comparison. To, uh, and I think that I'm making the case that Zach Wilson is one of the biggest draft busts of the last 20 years. Because his first 20 career stats are as follows. He has uh, an 8-12 record. He has uh, a 55.6% completion percentage rate. He has 13 touchdown passes, 16 interceptions, and averaging 6.3 yards. Okay, so that, that's obviously not very good. Another little uh, thing to note as well, that if, um, if Geno Smith took his next 150 snaps and only threw the ball into the stands, he would still have a higher passer rating than Zach Wilson this year. <laughs> that is how bad Zach Wilson has been this year. Okay, so uh, the, the other stat I want to bring you. So the, the stats are 52% completion percentage, uh, 6-14 and 14 record, 15 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, and a passer rating of 70.6 with a yards per attempt of 6.2. That was the first 20 career starts stats of Jamarcus Russell. Now, we know what happened to Jamarcus Russell. He was binned from the league uh, very, very quickly after, uh, I think it was in the second season. And I'm putting the case that Zach Wilson is up there with the likes of Jamarcus Russell. Maybe not quite Ryan Leaf, but I do think that Zach Wilson is one of the biggest busts, and he was second pick in the draft. It's not his fault, obviously, that I'm, he went I'm second. So, I'm sorry. Are you no. saying Ryan Leaf was a bigger bust than Jamarcus Russell? Uh, I think Ryan Leaf was a bigger bust than Zach Wilson, but I think the stats for Zach Wilson and Jamarcus Russell are scarily similar at oh, this okay. point. Okay, okay. <laughs> I just got that cleared up for a second. There. Yeah, but... You know, it, it's. Uh, I think these are some of the biggest busts. But you know, the 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 thing that did stand out when I was researching Zach Wilson that was the Geno Smith one. That if Geno Smith threw his next one hundred and fifty snaps into the stands, he would still have a higher passer rating than Zach Wilson. That's that insane. brings it home how bad that brings it back down how bad Zach Wilson has been this year, and you know his performance the, uh, in the game last week kind of epitomizes just how bad Zach Wilson is and how he's, play how he's played this season when he has played. So, yeah, unlucky Zach Wilson, back to the bench, and I'm afraid I think his career might be done. Oh, dear. That's a good, some good stats there, but my goodness, that's, that's painful. That Geno Smith one, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that, that's really bad. For someone that uh, was... Uh, did he not play for the Jets at some point, Geno Smith, and then he was kind of cut? Um, I'm pretty sure he did, yeah. That definitely yeah. rings a bell. Definitely. So I think that's the only thing that they've got in common at this point, though, <laughs> is that they've both been cut by the Jets, or one's on the verge of it anyway. Uh, Tim, do you have a stat for us, or will I will I finish? I do, it? I do. And, uh, and I've just um, I've nicked this stuff in it because we're talking about Travis Kelsey. Uh, so I went I went digging for some NFL stats, and I found this one, which is relevant. Um, during the 2014 NFL season, the Kansas City Chiefs were nine and seven. Okay, um, and this is the year when they had um, uh, running back Jamal Charles uh, had Travis Kelsey at that point as well. Um, a decent offensive attack, um, but not sort of all stars. They scored 18 receiving touchdowns during the season. And none of them went to receivers, not one. So 18 receiving touchdowns, nine of them went to Kelsey or to tight end Anthony Fasano, um, and the other nine being split between all the um, between all the, the the fullback and running backs. 
Um, so when the entire season, 18 receiving touchdowns, not one scored by a receiver. Uh, in fact, didn't score a receiver caught touchdown until week three in 2015. So um, all in all, you'd be looking at, uh, well, however many games are playing back now. I can't remember now, but um, 16 uh, in the oh. season. So 19 games. Yeah. 19 games. They went without a receiver caught touchdown. And uh, largely because of Travis Kelsey, and nobody likes him. So, <laughs> <laughs> because he's on my team, it's fine. <laughs> oh dear! Well, there you go. It just goes to show you that Travis Kelsey was getting it done uh, long before Patrick Mahomes was uh, was on the scene. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. So, gentlemen, I'll finish this off then. And my run of that also concerns quarterback. Uh, Dave, well, actually, it concerns a quarterback room. That's what it concerns. So, okay. um, we're all aware of. Um, the 1989 San Francisco 49ers. In my opinion, the greatest team that's ever played the game. Just offense and defense, no one has ever been able to touch. This team would have beaten anyone. Uh, Joe Montana, obviously the quarterback for that team. Uh, Jerry Rice and John Taylor, receivers. Brent Jones, tight end. Roger Craig and Tom Rathman, the running backs. They had pro bowlers all the way across the offensive line of defense. Hall of Famers, you know, Ronnie Lott, uh, Charles Haley, they had uh, Matt Millen, Keena Turner, all these guys, just an insane team top to bottom. But I'm going to talk about the quarterback room. Now, we've already mentioned Joe Montana. Joe Montana didn't play every game in 1989. In fact, his backup, Steve Young, started three games. And he went 3-0, throwing uh, eight touchdowns and uh, over 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns in those three games that he played. And as we know, Steve Young was in the Hall of Fame as well. Multiple Pro Bowler and Hall of Famer. So you had Joe Montana, four-time Super Bowl MVP, um, Hall of Famer, and then backing him up, you had Steve Young, multiple Pro Bowler, multiple-time MVP, Hall of Famer, and the third stringer on that team was a guy called Steve Bono. Pro Bowler, Steve Bono, when he finally left the Kansas City, sorry, beg your pardon, the San Francisco 49ers, went to the Kansas City Chiefs and all he did was take him to a 13-3 and record and go to a Pro Bowl. This might be the single greatest quarterback room of all time. The 1989 49ers had a Hall of Famer starting, a Hall of Famer backing him up, and a Pro Bowler as third-string quarterback. <laughs> that is just not fair in anyone's book. Um, and Dave, I know you will be uh, a bit young to remember the 1989 49ers. If you ever get a chance to to watch some old videos or something, they were absolutely unstoppable. It was clear to show in the uh, the, the postseason. Um, they posted a 41-13 win over the Minnesota Vikings in the divisional round, a 30-3 win against the Rams in the uh, NFC Championship game, and then a 55-10 to 10 win over the Broncos in the Super Bowl that year. They were absolutely unstoppable. And just, I mean, what a team. Tim, do you remember the 1989 49ers? I do. I remember the, I remember the 80s belonging to the 49ers. It was very depressing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> team, of, team of the decade. Yeah, absolutely. 
And the the other thing was that uh, in in that that nineteen eighty nine team, uh, the the you know Joe Montana had set um, NFL record for passer rating and completion percentage, and Jerry Rice was just shattering records left, right, and center. Um, the in fact the the two games that they lost, they lost thirteen to twelve to the Los Angeles Rams, um, to put them to three and one, and then they lost to the Green Bay Packers. And to put them to nine and two, they never lost again. That Green Bay Packers team, quarterbacked by a man named Don Makowski, who was the the leading uh, yardage passer in nineteen eighty nine, the Magic Man, Don Makowski. So yeah, that is my random stat, and it's about the three quarterbacks for the nineteen eighty nine San Francisco Forty ers the greatest team who ever played the game, in my opinion. It's it's like having Patrick Mahomes, Geno Smith. And I don't know Matt Stafford as the as the three you know the three all pros uh, as your three quarterbacks. It's yeah, that's just not fair. Uh, I mean, um, to, just just to put it in context as well. Um, you were talking about the third the third quarterback. What was it, Bono? Steve Bono. Steve Bono. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He also went on to be backup to Brett Favre uh, a few years later as well. So he didn't exactly have a bad uh, a bad career. And um, I'm surprised he's not the most knowledgeable person that's retired from the NFL, backing up players like Joe Montana, Steve Young, Brett Favre. It's just that that that's not fair. That yeah, that's not okay. I I, I have actually seen the, there was a, a video that I saw. It may have been of the 89 season. And it, I think, if I remember right, it was Ronnie Lott and I want to say Griffin at quarterback, maybe? Um, yes, um, it was. Was it Howard Griffin? No. Tim, do you remember? I don't. Uh, number, num- number 29. Number 29. I think it was Howard Griffin. I could I'm have just searching. Don. Don, Don Griffin. Don Griffin. Don. I'm, Don thinking, Griffin. I'm thinking Howard Griffith. Beg your pardon. That's Don so, Griffin. Yeah. Yes. Don Don Griffin, yeah. So um, the co- it, it was almost like uh, basically lesson one hundred and one of how to cover guys uh, in in these positions. And you know, you're talking about a team that's known for its offense primarily over its defense. Um, obviously, with you know Joe Montana, Steve Young, Jay Rice, these kind of guys. But the defense was so instrumental in how amazing that team was as well. But like you said, the Broncos were held to what ten points in the Super Bowl, 10 and I mean, the, 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 the Rams, Rams were held to three and they had Jim Everett and they had Henry Ellard and they had uh, Flipper Anderson on that team mm-hmm. and they were held to three points in the NFC Championship game. Look, I, I don't really want to talk about with the Rams getting three points in big <laughs> games. I, 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 It's only been a couple <laughs> of years since that's happened. So, uh, yeah, the, this seems to be a, a trend. And of course, at that time, we were the LA Rams then as well. So that's after right, a little yes. stint. We were stint in St. Louis, and then we still couldn't kick that three points uh, against uh, really competent teams. But yeah, that that Forty Nineers team uh, immense, just truly immense. Oh, I, don't know, I don't even call. I don't know if you can call him the best team ever because if Ronnie Lott played today, he'd have been banned about seventeen times already. Interesting story about Ronnie Lott. So th- this this eighty nine team <clears throat> was coached by George Seifert. Now, George Seifert was the defensive coordinator for the 49ers in the years prior to that. It was Bill Walsh was the, the coach, and he called the plays. George Seifert became the coach in 1989. So a rookie head coach, had never been a head coach before. They went 14-2 and two because literally he just went to Joe Montana, just do what you've been doing, and I'll coach the defense. And they went 14-2. and two just destroying teams up right and center. And Ronnie Lott 
um, was previously a cornerback, but he'd so he'd sort of lost half a step. He was a Pro Bowl cornerback. He was a great cornerback, but he wasn't as quick yeah. as he used to be, and he was getting beaten by some of these uh, more speedy wide receivers. Guys like Flipper Anderson and Henry Ellard. Those Rams receivers, by the way, incredible. Um, so Bill Walsh moved him to uh, free safety, and he became the greatest free safety of all time. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. And there was one game, and I, I'm not going to remember it. I want to say it was against the Giants, but I forget where Ronnie Lott um, had a he broke his pinky in the during the game. I think it was against the New York Giants. The, his pinky was basically hanging off. So what he did was he pulled his finger off in the middle of the game, wrapped it up, and went back into play. And he only has half a pinky left. Because they couldn't sew it back on because he tore it off. Yeah, but and that, was, that was, was in 1985. So he carried on playing. Was it? That was 85. I've, I've, I've uh, looked it up. Uh, yeah, so uh, he had the tip of his left pinky amputated after the 85 season when it was crushed while tackling Timmy Newsom. Uh, yeah. And he had a, bo- a bone graft surgery uh, that meant he didn't start the 86 season. But obviously he, he didn't retire for years later. So... Yeah, yeah that, I mean, it was 95 that he finally retired 10 years later. So he had nine fingers and still managed to pay. He had mul- every season after that, he had multiple rece- uh, interceptions, including for the Rams, who he went to after the 49ers, where over two seasons, he got nine interceptions. Ronnie Lott was terrifying. He was tough. Yeah, he was tough. He was <laughs> tough. He was basically, so back, back in, in, in those, you know, the, the mid to late 80s, even the early 90s, Lawrence Taylor obviously was the, the most feared linebacker. You had yeah, like, like like Reggie White was the the Reggie White and Bruce Smith were the, the line men. You had Lawrence Taylor, and then you know a couple of years later, Derek Thomas with it. But in the secondary, it was Ronnie Lott. Yeah, he he was the guy. Also, just a little fun fact as well: the '86 season uh, at, that he came back from, he missed the first two games, and in that season, recorded ten interceptions. So there you go. He <laughs> with, also he, with nine one, fingers. One, yeah, he fo- forced three fumbles. Uh, he got one defensive touchdown, which was a 57-yard touchdown uh, after picking it off. So there you go. Uh, who, who needs 10 fingers? Uh, yeah, so th- this stat started talking about the quarterback room and we've ended up just waxing lyrical about how amazing Ronnie Lott was. As I, as I say, can't stress it enough, 1989 49ers, what a team. Just unbelievable. Yep. So gentlemen, do we have anything we need to add before we wrap it up for the evening? Nothing uh, for me. Well, in uh, that case, no, um, no. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. I was just going to say uh, a, a yes. very happy Thanksgiving uh, to you, Tim, uh, and to all of our listeners, especially those across the pond. Have a great Thanksgiving. Hope you eat far too much food, drink far too much drink, but not too much drink, uh, and uh, enjoy the games. And uh, we'll catch you next week on the WinFL show. <laughs>